0: In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that never loses that love and feeling. My name is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're delving deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome the A to Z Horrorcast and the Phantom Zone Podcast as they help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 1997 bracket. But before we get into that, gang, let me remind you we were part of the ever-expanding Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes, along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts, over at downrightcreepy.com, or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your wish hole. I was wondering where you are going to go with that, and I like that one completely. (laughs) So, to kind of give you a uh, catch up on everything that's been going on, we did have a take a break last week, and Mm -hmm. that was just for purely scheduling purposes here, (laughs) because we're getting
1: into the busy season yes
0: so we are con we a, season
1: all sorts of shenanigans going on
0: and, and we had planet comic-con that happened just mm-hmm. this last weekend which was a lot of fun and also just, i, I met just gonna agree which i'm surprised <laughs> like you weren't escorted off the premises know, right? in a shot collar or something along those lines but um if you are in the kansas city area this episode is going to be dropping this friday uh the saturday let's see and that is actually let me look at my date book here mm-hmm. that is going to be the, the 13th uh, the 13th if you in the Kansas City area, we are going to be hosting a 35mm screening of Mary Heron's American, American Psycho. Psycho. Oh, so, this is
1: gonna be so much fun!
0: Return your tapes, you know. <laughs> crank up of the Huey, Huey Lewis. Damn right, it's gonna be a good time. So make sure you check that out. Uh, but obviously, in the, uh, the oh, and tournament, bring business cards. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, has a, it, it has a watermark. <laughs> so good when that happens. Uh, but to catch you up on the tournament here, uh, our 87 bracket, we actually had uh, we had Hellraiser versus the Dream Warriors, mm-hmm. and as you know, we had uh, the Mark Nato from the uh, Horrorcast and. Patrick Bromley from Mythic Movie Podcast, and they helped us break it down. And it was finally, after a big struggle, right. and this was a struggle not only just you know debate wise, but with <laughs> from
1: that, the heart. It, it was it was those bold movies were so good. All the movies in '87, it was really 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 hard to choose.
0: And again, depending on the day, depending on the second, our, uh, our choices could differ, you know change. Mm-hmm. But as it is, our representative in the frightful four, Nightmare on Elm Street, three Dream Warriors, Dream Warriors. And who are they gonna battle? Well, that's what we're going to be finding out here. So, our first guests are from the Phantom Podcast Network. Every Monday, they drunkenly debate some of the best and worst that horror has to offer. Welcome to Nightmare Junkhead for the first time, Jack, Jake, and Mark from the A to Z Horrorcast.
2: Absolutely, we're we're all doing really good. Uh, this is Jack from the A to Z Horrorcast. We just really appreciate you being being on your cast
3: here. This is awesome. I, be- yeah, this is Jake. Thanks a lot, guys, for having us.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: I'm Mark. And uh, there's literally a thunderstorm raging outside. It is a dark and stormy night, so
4: uh, (laughs) sorry about any background noise.
0: Are you kidding? That adds the ambiance. We love that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. That's the stuff you can't buy. Uh, So before we get into everything, uh, I wanted to give you guys the opportunity. Please plug, promote social media. Uh, You know, anything that you guys got going on, please tell our listeners where can they find all the good stuff
2: sure absolutely yeah um, so we are a to Z com, and that's with a hyphen a hyphen Z com that's our website there we do kind of written posts written reviews some other stuff going on and we host the podcast there um, on Twitter and Twitter other social media stuff, we are A to Z Horror, but with the word to spelled out, so A-T-O-Z Horror, (laughs) because we haven't quite gotten that locked down yet, but we do a lot of stuff on the uh, Horror Amino app as well, so any of those things, come hang out with us, but definitely Twitter and, and the website are good ways to get a hold of us, all that stuff will be on any of there, so
0: excellent and i'll be honest this is the first time in terms of skyping where we actually have more than one person and it's a menage uh, of skype yeah i know we're going from a three-way <laughs> to a full-on orgy so i kind of with the password yeah i don't know what the etiquette is on that uh so we're gonna do what we can here um but i wanted to ask just before we get into everything uh, how did the podcast come together
2: Sure, absolutely, and and I'll let you guys know. You know, we uh, I think you guys have heard the podcast before. We're we're big on interrupting each other and talking <laughs> over each other, and Skype makes that difficult. We're all in different places, so you guys got to take the reins here and really uh, give us a hard <laughs> line of tell us to shut the hell up when we need to. Oh um, yeah. <laughs>
1: no, we're tangent friendly.
2: We, <laughs> we started as a, a website, so I know all three of us are big horror guys. We're all high school buddies um, from way back when, and. Um, Jake and I went to college at the same school, University of Colorado at Boulder, and when we were there, we tried to keep the horror thing going. Every Halloween, every day of October, we'd watch a different horror movie, and to do that, we'd kind of drink a whole bunch and and (laughs) do a kind of draft-style thing to figure out what movies we were going to watch, and we'd watch one a day, all through the month of October, and then, you know, college ends, and you all go your separate ways, and the way the website started was I was actually sitting at home. My wife was gone one week, and I was I watched the movie Unfriended from 2015 mm-hmm. just because it showed up on some kind of some recommended list for me. And I was sat down and watched that. And I really wanted to talk about it with uh, you know some of my buddies. So I called up Jake, and I was like, "Hey, we should uh, do something about this. Like, watch horror movies together and talk about them." And that kind of just evolved into the podcast. We we brought Mark on, and we were figuring we we're just getting drunk and talking about horror movies anyway. Might as well record it.
4: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. So, um, how did you guys? What was kind of your entryway into horror? Each of you, did, you know, did you have like a horror origin story? Uh, you know, kind of like the, the the Batman Alley story, if you will. You know, what was your entryway into all that?
2: Uh, sure, I'll, I'll go first, just because I've been talking, so that, that feels <laughs> like it uh, that seems fair.
0: Right. Yeah. Take the raise. So
2: for me, it was I was I was a little kid. I was four or five years old, and my dad likes really old horror movies. He's into. Weird kind of horror movies. He likes haunted house stuff, kind of ghost stories, but like really mel really well made ones. So he he showed me the the 1940s black and white horror movie, uh, The Uninvited, which is kind of people move into a new house that's kind of on the shore, and it's just it's just a really classic, perfect haunted house story. And so that I was locked in from then, and there was kind of a degenerate family down the street where I could go there, no parental supervision. We watched Hellraiser. <laughs> when I was six years old. And, you know, we watched all that kind of shit going on. So that got me hooked <clears throat> deep, and then. I think the Blair Witch Project came out in 99. I think that's going to be a common theme for all three of us because I saw that in theaters and I was eight or nine years old. Or, and that, I literally thought that was real when that movie <laughs> happened. So, you know, I uh, that, that one solidified me for life. And um, I don't know, Jake, I feel like your story is probably kind of similar.
5: Yeah, mine's similar. Just looking back at kind of the classic horror and the love for that. Uh, my mom is the big horror fan in our family. And her favorite movie of all time is Jaws. So growing up, like, during summers jaws would be on almost every day it felt like and if not jaws probably some episode of the twilight zone so for me there's definitely a strong family tie to that sort of horror and that's how i got into it really with the 70s and certainly earlier than that as well and it built from there like jack young age kind of going and seeing movies that i probably shouldn't given how young i am but it just Mm -hmm. it continued to build and by the time that I was in my teens, I'd kind of built up quite the repertoire of movies that I'd seen and tried to continue that.
0: What's to you, Mark? I'm
5: not, I'm not actually sure if and he's I guess this,
3: still here. As far okay. as I go. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as far as I go, the one thing that I had to trace it back to, I think, would be uh, Large Marge from Peewee's <laughs> Great Adventure. <laughs>
2: Perfect. It was a night that's like me, this.
3: That's a thing. Yeah, why would anyone put that in a children's movie? Um, I mean, I guess it worked out for me in the long term.
4: But
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of what I grew up with. Well,
0: we've always talked um, about like, like there.
3: I mean, we're all kind of kids in the '90s, so um, yeah. I, th- I think it's going to come back. I, I, I mean, specifically the first legit scary movie that I remember seeing was one we're going to be talking about today. So <laughs> perfect.
0: perfect, nice. Well, yeah. I, we, we've often talked about, like, gateway horror in terms of, you know, how to, tra- you know, if you want to really traumatize your children, right. you know, how to transition to them. But I think Pee-wee's Big Adventure is one of those classic examples. Because it has oh, the,
1: the clown with the chain, and then it had the clown doctor, and, yeah, and large marge. <laughs> yeah. A lot of nightmare feel.
0: Yes, it is, and it, but as disguised as... <laughs> which yeah. it just, you know who I blame? Francis <laughs> of course, <laughs> well, it's uh, you mentioned you had that house down the street where you know everything was permitted, and I'd like to think actually that was probably like the way I was I was probably that guy, that kid, because <laughs> I did have those parents growing up that they were just really cool about letting me watch whatever because they' were always like, listen, that's not reality, you know, just know the distinction, and you're good because we used to watch not only horror but like. We'd end up getting, like, boner jams and shit, you know? And so, like, everyone would plow over to my house, because, like, yo, Greg's got, like, HBO and Skidamax. It's all right. <laughs> He's oh, yeah. got a copy of Hard Bodies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trying to watch the Spice
2: Channel. In between channels two and three, you twist the
0: knob a little bit. I-, I tell you, kids nowadays don't know how good they have it, because back in the day, man, <laughs> scrambled with you saw like you thought you saw a boob, mm-hmm. or something along those lines, man, you would attach to that, it would implant in your memory, and you'd have it for a good week or so. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's not necessarily horror, but, you know, that is, unfortunately. The-
1: <laughs> Horrific things were done in the name of science.
0: <laughs> As they are. So, no, I'm glad, actually, then, you do know, talking that you're, you know, uh, you know, horror fans of the 90s. And that's why I'm glad we were able to bring you in for the uh, bracket from 1997. Uh, but one of the other things I wanted to make sure that we did with our other podcast from Phantom is to adapt and adopt some of the things that you guys do with your podcast. And one of my favorite aspects... Uh, one of the things that I just think makes it charming as fuck, pardon my you know French there, is the, um, the Beers for Fears that you guys do, uh, which I love because you do have to take some time and effort in terms of finding, you know, the appropriate beer for, you know, the film or the genre. Where did that come from?
2: So, you know, question. when I first <laughs> proposed to Jake the website, I wanted to call it Beers for Fears. Um, the
5: whole thing the whole thing yeah the whole website yeah he quickly nixed that (laughs) well it's not like we came up with much better because it's far more generic now and we've kind of tried we've kind of tried to like shoehorn in an explanation where it's we get into the weeds because of how much we're drinking and just the nature of the conversations we have anyway but i don't know if that's fully accurate (laughs) (laughs) he had a good idea so we we found a way to bring it back in yeah, and I think
2: it, it kind of did just happen organically, because before we were recording the podcast, we'd get on Skype and talk about the movies anyway before we wrote them up on the website. And then we kind of just started recording that, but it kind of developed a little competition of just trying to get a beer that matches the movie oh, yeah. or something like that. As, so it's kind of kind of developed organically, which is pretty fun.
0: It's rad, and I, re- I just I think it adds, like I said, a, l- a level of charm just to the podcast that really makes it distinct from all the other ones that we have on the network. So that in itself, I think, is great. So that being said, um, I'd like to know, before we get into our delving into the 90s horror, you know, what do you guys have for your uh, Beers for Fears?
2: Sure, yeah. Well, I, I've got two tonight uh, that I'm that I'm drinking. I'm trying to tell a little bit of a story here. The first one I've got is a Pinner Throwback IPA by Oscar Blue's. Um, cause you know, we're, we're going back to the nineties here. This is a throwback. This is back to my childhood. So that's, that's step one. And then step two, I've got the crux cast out IPA because we got a bracket system here where we are mercilessly chopping one of the movies every single round. And so we are casting something out. So we're throwing back and we're casting out. Those are my two beers. And that's, that's what I've got tonight.
0: God damn. That's, that's good. That's mm-hmm. really good.
2: <laughs> it's, it is better than I usually
5: do. I put more it's, thought into oh. it for, for this week's special episode, <laughs> put, yeah, wait, putting, wait. putting <laughs> airs on. <laughs>
0: I understand. Yes.
5: Half the time, he just gives up. (laughs) Uh, So for me, I'm actually doing something. The call that Jack Mark and I just had, this is very similar to one of their beers, but I think it fits better for what we're doing tonight. I'm drinking the 20th anniversary Imperial IPA by Coronado Brewing in Colorado to really stick with the theme of the 1997 anniversary of those releases. Kind of hard to find, but I just wanted one that kind of commemorated the fact that these movies are now 20 years old, which is crazy to think about.
1: I know, right? Man. <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: And I suppose last but not least, uh, so yeah, normally on our on our podcast, as you said, we have to beer an individual movie. This is the first time we've ever had to beer multiple movies. So I feel like I'm kind of going on that theme a little bit. I'm drinking a classic Utah beer. If you know of one beer out of Utah, you've probably heard of this one. I'm drinking a Polygamy Porter. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> All done. <laughs>
0: Bravo.
1: Uh, sister movies. <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly.
0: In a way. And so I think it's appropriate. That's beyond appropriate. And so when I was kind of looking at this, because here's the thing, I'm not a big drinker. In fact, I really don't drink at all. So again, I was feeling kind of the peer pressure here. However, I think it's appropriate that one of the films that we are going to be talking about is Wishmaster, because it's as if a gin showed up and was like, Greg, I'm, I, I can grant you a wish. What would you like? And I'm like, you know what I like? I like root beer but I don't like the taste of alcohol. And so as it is, uh, you know, gin come up, granted me a wish. I, we have not your father's root beer that genius and I are partaking in.
1: Now, I'm thinking, like that I'm thinking Weird. this is for mimic because it's, <laughs> it's not quite root beer. It's disguised itself as root beer, but it's an alcoholic drink.
0: <laughs> so, and it That's will, well yeah. And it will kill children at will. Yeah, so
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very lethal. Very lethal.
0: And, and it probably helps with
1: Mira Cervino. a <laughs> <have, have> some... <laughs> Jesus Christ, what were we, 15 minutes in? And then here comes Cosby. Yeah. I, it's, I'm blaming the alcohol on this one. Already? I'm blaming the alcohol for the for random acts of Cosby. Uh,
0: so, <laughs> as it stands, we do have four films that we're going to talk about, and we kind of mm-hmm. have a little bit of a rubric in terms of when we get down to comparing the two and kind of battling them. Mm-hmm. But I, what I'm really anxious about is because these, obviously, you're you're kind of your guys' nostalgic wheelhouse in terms of '90s films. So we have Scream Two going up against Event Horizon, and then we have Wishmaster going up against Mimic. So I'm going to throw it out to you guys. Um, let's start off with Scream Two and Event Horizon. But just give me some. You know, what are your you know your ties, just your connection? Uh, we talk a lot about on the podcast like the relationship with films mm-hmm. that you can kind of put together. You know, do you guys what kind of like you know just background thoughts feelings with Scream Two?
2: Scream 2 is an interesting one. It's, I, I've always thought of it as kind of pretty similar to Scream 1. Like, it's always occupied the same space in my head. And and so I, I was excited to come back and watch it again, because I think the first time I saw this movie, I, I didn't see these right when they came out, but um, I, I kind of put Scream 2 in the category of, I probably don't need to watch that, because it's, it's probably just more of Scream <laughs> 1. And so I hadn't, I don't think, sat down and actually watched the movie
5: in, in quite some time, at least for me. Jake, how about you? Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point we're definitely dating ourselves pretty precisely here but the (laughs) 1997 releases are i think really the last movies that came out that were before when we would go and at that point sneak into the theater and and see them live so these are a really interesting crop but that by no means is an indication that you know we didn't check them out scream 2, i think to a certain degree i agree with jack it's one of those that i saw a long long time ago and was like you know it it seems like the same type of movie as Scream to me, but upon watching it, again, totally different experience and totally different thoughts now with more of a horror education I guess you could say over the last however many years. So, interested to talk about that one for sure. Mark?
3: I, I have an interesting nostalgia spot for Scream too because Ooh. it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those ones that, like, so my sister goes out with, like, a group of friends and picks up the VHS from Hollywood video or whatever, comes back, and I'm definitely not allowed to come downstairs to watch this movie. So, of course, you know, as my inquisitive nine-year-old self, I, I peek downstairs, and it's the it's the opening scene. Um in the bathroom where the guy gets, you know, stabbed through the stabbed through the wall. And, uh, yeah, I just sprinted straight back upstairs and started watching the Disney Channel.
1: Uh, <laughs> Save me, Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh,
3: so that scene in and of itself has been burned into my psyche for, I guess, decades now, right? Two decades. Wow. Um, that's, I mean, that's the thing I mainly come back to. I, I ended up circling back on it a number of years later, and it was obviously a little bit more tame, but... Uh, that's that's the standout thing
4: for me with Scream Two.
0: Yeah, we has we um we put together a little uh, horror marathon every October at one of the local theaters. And this last year we did all sequels because it was our second one. It was the so second we, one.
1: We showed yeah. the. For we opened up with Scream Two, and then we showed twenty eight weeks later, and then we ended up with Texas Chainsaw Two. So.
0: Oh, that's awesome! And so, yeah, it was really great to see it with a crowd again because this is one of those films. I, I'll admit it; I'm I'm the old man here. I uh, I just turned 41 last week, which let me tell you, it's it's weird when you hit your 40s in your podcasting because it, it makes me feel like a. Like, I'm not a 40 year old, like I'm not, you know, legit, but, and, uh,
1: and I'm only a few years younger. So he's like yelling to get off my lawn. So turn
0: your music down, man. I don't understand it. But Actually, I think you guys said not
1: turn your music down. It's too loud. Shut up. Shut up. Leave
0: me alone. But, uh, I got to, I did see this in the theater and I do, I agree with you guys. It does, um, does a little initially feel a little warmed over from scream, mm-hmm. but you ultimately look at what he was trying to do with sequels and kind of the whole yeah. meta aspect. Yeah. Let me throw that out. Yeah. What what do you guys think of the whole meta aspect that Wes Craven was dealing with
2: I mean he really did it right I mean the, the original scream especially but scream 2 you know with the movie within the movie is, <laughs> is so good and and he just he nailed it perfectly to fit within the horror landscape and and make what is undeniably a great horror movie you know yeah. and and still be doing the meta thing so hard I think so many people who try to do the meta thing focus so much on it they lose track of the horror movie part of it mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of when they do it yeah and yeah, they it's end definitely... up with just meta
5: Definitely a balancing act, and I think one of the interesting things for me upon second viewing, or whatever it may be, after such a long time since having seen it is, this is kind of the perfect movie for the genre that it's in. Like, when you are commenting on slashers, what is one of the things you think of with slashers? And it's really that they lend themselves so well to the sequel aspect anyway. Like, slasher sequels are... The wheelhouse of that subgenre of horror so to me there was a lot going for scream 2 on this viewing that i just flat out didn't notice the first time through so it was a really good rewatch for me personally
3: yeah i, I totally agree and i mean the only thing i would say is it, it's hard to compare the two right scream 1 versus scream 2 scream 1 to me has the, uh, the the scene with the kid on the couch and the killers right behind him towards the
0: end of the movie yeah <laughs> turn mean, around turn around
3: yeah, it, it's it's hard to beat that as far as just pure like writing meta slasher movie, uh, and when you transition to just straight up two characters talking about what happens in sequels of scary movies at a diner, in this one it's it's a little bit more on the nose, I guess, but you know it's still it's still doing meta better than anything else. That, yes. Oh yeah,
0: subtlety wasn't something Wes Craven was good at, you know. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I think this they brought something up that this movie is
1: gets better as you when you age as opposed to the movie doesn't get better with age it gets better as you're getting older because you can see it like you said with more horror trained eyes and really appreciate the whole meta aspect of it which is something that i dismissed it but i was a punk teenager when this movie came out (laughs) so like you know it wasn't until later when i was like this is a pretty smart movie so
0: yeah and I don't know if it necessarily because we're talking about '90s stuff. And if you look at the cast, not necessarily the main cast, but the supporting cast in this, mm-hmm. it's about as '90s as you can get. With oh my gosh. Skeet! No, the <laughs> Skeet was the first. No, one. Uh, Rebecca Gayhart, the Noxema girl, showing up, and then Portia de Rossi also. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was the thing that I that I completely forgotten about. I'm like, that is, I mean, that's about as jinko ni- as '90s as you can get. <laughs> but it works Portia though. De Rossi. Oh God! And this and is Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, that opening scene actually really kind of put me off from going into the public restroom for a while. Especially, <laughs> oh, yes. especially any kind of glory hole kind right? of Right? <laughs> nope, nope. Not gonna have it. Not gonna have it. Not gonna get stabbed in the cheek. See,
1: it was all good until Scream Two came around, and I'm like, "Fuck glory holes."
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> totally ruined it. Totally ruined glory hole culture. but does it work in terms of let me ask you this does it still in terms of the 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 set pieces you know just it's a horror movie so does it still inspire any kind of horror or uh, scariness
2: for me it it doesn't this movie isn't isn't scary at all anymore i think we were (laughs) talking about the balance a little bit earlier this one is a little bit more on the meta side than the meta horror side that scream one had going on kind of that perfect balance um so for me none of this really works that well there's a couple of jump scares that are that are okay but they're they're Pretty telegraphed from a little bit far away, I think. So, just not that scary for me.
5: Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is up there in terms of the scare factor, like we would talk about on our podcast. It's 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 gorier than Scream One, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, they're just there are more scenes where that element is played up, but to me, it's it's not quite reaching the same levels. And I'm not
3: sure it's it's really meant to.
5: A, a, at mm-hmm. least with yeah. injecting some level of meta
3: into the script, like you're kind of wanting to take people out of the immersiveness of the horror, right? So I, I'm going to totally echo what you guys are saying, except with the exception of the first scene is it, it burned <laughs> into my psyche forever. Sure. <laughs>
1: Now we hosted this one, like you said, on the uh, in our Halloween triple feature. But I'll have to say, seeing this in the theater with the crowd, there was a couple of scenes where almost everybody was like, "Whoa!" They like jumped, in. it was like jump scares. But it was really effective, and it was
0: awesome to see other people react, especially first time viewers. Oh, that's great!
6: And, and it was yeah, it's, certainly
0: part of it. Yeah, and it was especially the part where they've knocked out Ghostface, and he's in the he's in the, oh, the car. car scene. Yes, oh. yeah, that one. A good scene. And that's I, the the beauty of these kind of films is re, kind of experience them again. Number one, as genius and you guys said, you know when you get older, but also experiencing them with a crowd because mm-hmm. that yeah. really can alter the experience. Because I always go in wanting to be scared, you know that's my main thing with a horror flick. Like even if it's goofy, if I can find any kind of element and just that shared experience. It was pretty righteous. It was just one of those we kept looking at each other, going, "Holy shit, this is playing <laughs> yeah. like Gangbusters!" Uh-huh. You know, we didn't yeah. know how it would play. So, um, let me ask you this: spoilers, because we 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 right. also spoil the shit out of and flicks. Plus, here. it's a
1: twenty year old movie. If they <laughs> yeah. don't know by now, <laughs> fuck them. So
0: you know. <laughs> but when they kill uh, Jamie Kennedy's character, who is supposed uh, to be kind of the audience surrogate, he's supposed to be us. You know, mm-hmm. the representation. I know. When I first saw it, I was like, no, they can't do that. That's me. But now, you know, it's like, well, he's a little obnoxious. And I'm like, oh, shit, is, am I obnoxious? Punk teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have, did you guys have any kind of a different experience, you know, experiencing that? You know, I, I don't
2: have too much to say. I, I completely agree with you. I had, I had almost the exact same reaction. Like, Also,
5: he's the one I relate to. What does that say? Right.
4: So,
5: Oh, I'm with you. For sure. You hit the nail on the head. I mean he is the one that we most relate to he's the guy who's sitting there working at the video store harping on horror movies into Mm -hmm. the really popular cute girls but you know it's high school slash college can't really get them and then you root for the guy but at the same time you're like damn kind of annoying aren't i
3: (laughs) (laughs) but on the other hand like that whole scene is just is just bonkers like how do you manage to be killed in a wide-open, well-lit space. Like, just dude, don't back up to the van, well, man.
1: Well, like- Ghostface had that diddler van, and he just kind of came out. <laughs> like, hey, Jimmy, Jamie Kennedy, you want to come see an experiment? And then just kind of like, <laughs> just just That's swiped him up. <laughs> right? <laughs> Poor
0: Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> he gets the short
4: end he of the just, every time. Just,
1: and, then, and then he gets thrown in the diddler van, and the van's a rocking. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe Jackie, maybe Jackie had her way with him.
0: Well, and that's the other thing is ultimately you get, you kind of have, they've, they've laid the groundwork that there's always multiple people involved with the whole thing. But
1: I got to say this before we go into that. God damn it. I was disappointed to find out it was Jackie. I was oh, just man. like, oh, Jackie, come on. And it's one of those where it's like, you know, you have to separate the actress from the role, but I couldn't. Fucking do it! It's like it was still Jackie. Like anytime you see Ed O'Neill, it's still like he could be like a hard-boiled detective. And it's like, well, Al Rudy Bundy's Don. on the case again, you know. So
0: it was just, <laughs> <laughs> damn it, damn it, Bundy! I want your back, a gumshoe detective, if you will. Oh. that was really bad. My apologies.
1: <laughs> like he goes to the nudie bar after he solves a case and shit, puts his hand down his pants and,
0: <laughs> <laughs> gotta be asked to leave there. So, um. One of the things, uh, going from Scream 2, it's battling up against Event Horizon, and this uh, genius, you know, Event Horizon's probably one of your all-time favorites. I fucking love Event Horizon. But before we, yeah, what do you guys think uh, going from Scream 2 to Event Horizon? Just thoughts and feelings on Event Horizon.
2: Event Horizon's kind of a weird one for me. I'd definitely seen it before, but it was one of those that I didn't really remember having seen or talked too much or have. It didn't, it didn't loom highly in my mind, and I don't know why that was, because... It absolutely should have, (laughs) but it was just kind of one of those that I guess I watched and maybe had something else going on or something
5: else on my mind because I'd kind of overlooked it. It didn't have that much space in my brain. Interesting. I actually didn't know that. Event Horizon is one of those that I I think Mark and I are on the same wavelength on this one that I I love that movie as well. And when I think back to like young preteen Jake Young preteen Jake was obsessed with space, and that came, like, shortly after the dinosaur person phase, and so there was kind of, like, the perfect transition with Sam Neill from Jurassic Park over to this movie, as well as, like, I'm aging, so I'm ready for more adult subject matter, and my god, I didn't understand the movie, I can tell you that right now because of how old I was, but upon repeat viewings, you get more and more out of it, so the movie, it gets better every time I see it.
3: Yeah, and this is definitely the one that I was I was calling back or calling forward to, I guess earlier. I don't know what my parents were thinking. But <laughs> they they rented this one like it like I said earlier. You know, run down to Hollywood Video, grab the VHS tape, and I, I guess they were in the same brain space that Jake was just talking about. Like, oh, Mark likes space. Let's let yep. him watch this thing.
4: <laughs> Ooh.
3: So it, it's funny that you refer to this as the gateway horror movie when this is a movie about a gateway. <laughs> gateway. <laughs> uh, but literally, this was this was the first real scary movie that I saw as a person. That's a hell of a way to start, and I've never mm-hmm.
0: been the right. same. Uh, yeah, because that it's such an intense film. In fact, we just had Planet Comic Con this last weekend, and I found a guy that was actually uh, selling old Fangorias, uh, which, okay. you know, yeah, 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 exactly. And I found one. It was from, let's see here, August 97, and it has oh. Event Horizon on the cover, and it's such a gnarly, nasty photo. Yeah, it is. It's the, the guy
1: getting impaled towards the end oh. of the, When it's going
0: through his mouth. Yes. And then it's such a stark, crazy image. It's one of those films that is sneaky Mm -hmm. because it's got such a high, basically kind of a high class cast, if you will. Right. It's Sam Neill. That guy is he's legit. But I think
1: the problem that when it came out, it was going head to head with Sphere.
4: Mm, yeah the the well, family i love that movie too yeah but it, those totally. <laughs> those are
1: two totally different movies with kind of yeah. like <laughs> one's on, like one's like underwater and it's weird and shenanigans happen one's in space and like fucking all hell breaks loose satanic so, shenanigans right so i think like yeah. that's and it had a sphere had a bigger marketing budget and it was a Crichton, right based on Crichton. Yeah, for sure. so i think that's why it got just dis- not event horizon got really dismissed upon the when it first came out. Most like, a lot yeah. of Sandy Neil stuff, except for Jurassic Park. So. Right.
0: <laughs> but if you yeah, notice...
4: hard time for this one on
0: release. It really did, yeah. And I, um, it's uh, directed by uh, Paul W.S. Paul W.S.
1: Anderson, man. And I
0: think... <laughs> Mr. Jojovich. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, that's why people... I, I don't want to say they hold that against the film, because his, you know, filmography is kind of a mixed bag. I like his it's stuff. Dead evils. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> And this is one of those films that I did I was able to see in the theater as well And I really didn't know that much going in and so when the whole kind of twist happens when you realize it's When you don't need eyes to see? Yeah, mm-hmm. you realize it's a really messed up haunted house film, but to the nth yeah. degree, that's like, oh, shit, this is really clever. But And it's unfortunate, but it's found an audience since mm-hmm. then. So was this one that you guys... This was obviously, you know, you mentioned you kind of saw it on video. Um, what was your kind of first experience with it? So,
2: so my first experience with it, I don't remember what the hell I was thinking, but whatever it is, whatever it was, it was wrong. <laughs> um, because when I watched this again, yes. getting ready for this episode, I was goddamn delighted in what I saw in the movie it was it was amazing and so it's it's just a pretty new experience for me i kind of went into it blind
5: yeah no i for me this was a rental it was probably uh, probably like 2 years after it came out when i was ready for it i think or my parents were like okay you're ready for it and i think to a certain extent it's like the same thing as the mark factor where it was just like they didn't know i mean it's about <laughs> space it's kind of got some cool cover art whatever it's going to be fine uh wow that was uh, definitely not ready for the final act in that but oh, yes. after that it was just like i want to see it again and then a couple of years go by and hey i want to see that again i remember that was awesome and then people start talking about it that you're around when you're in high school or college and they're quoting the you know where we're going we don't need eyes to see and stuff like that it just kind of like permeates the culture that you're a part of more and more and builds this momentum that by now i've seen it a ton of times and it's just one of those things
3: yeah, I mean this is definitely one that I've put into my my yearly carousel of movies that just happens yeah. to be on. I'll I'll pop this one on probably roughly around the beginning of October essentially yeah. every year. Yep.
0: Goes in the regular Halloween rotation? Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. Well, I think it's another... just like the middle of July rotation, like yeah. whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. You know, there're certain films you kind of have to be in a certain mood to watch. Are yeah. you is this one of those that you can kind of just watch at any time?
3: Well, I feel like with anything in horror you can uh, With really good movies, you can watch them whenever, but no matter what, if you're in the right mood for a movie, it's going to hit you better. So <laughs> it's almost like I know what mood I need to be in for this one. I can watch it whenever, but if I'm in a mood for Event
5: Horizon, then... It's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> bit, yeah you just have to make sure that you slip in the yearly viewing when the mood strikes. Uh, it's not like... October mandated for me, but I, I have it on the yearly rotation as well. Um, it's just one of those movies that you can't, it, it never really leaves your mind after you've seen it. it. It's always there in the back of your mind, and mm. every once in a while you have to revisit.
0: And I also think it's interesting, in 97, you kind of were on the precipice of going between practical and a lot of CGI. And I yeah. think the thing that really makes this film impactful is the set design.
4: Mm-hmm. Just yes.
0: everything <laughs> is just, I mean, it just it's really pretty to look at. As, and it just the, the, the grand gore that you get at the end yeah. is a great contrast with.
1: Because that whole empty space station is just terrifying in general, you know. And then you get a crazy-ass <laughs> Sam Neill going around. <laughs> It makes it even more terrifying,
5: yeah, I've had a very vivid image of that like gravity drive, oh in, like, yes, for like fifteen years. It's just like, no, I know exactly how that looks, and that uh, that's never leaving.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: the movie set in what
2: twenty forty seven so it's at thirty years from now that's uh, that's aggressive it's for us that's that's a- <laughs> <really
4: nice. laughs>
3: you know it's it's funny that what you say about set design though, because on the one hand, like it's nice to just sit back and let the sets wash over you, but on the other hand, as, as like a real human being, I'm sitting there like, why did they design their <laughs> ship to look like this? Did they want to go to hell? Like, you don't you don't put spikes on the walls just
0: because like aesthetics. Well, it's it's That's feng shui, sure you, you know. It balances everything. Come on now, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, you gotta yeah. let the energy
3: flow. You gotta have that <laughs> gigantically long walkway for absolutely no reason.
1: <laughs> it's kids, you never know when company's coming, so right. you gotta be ready. <laughs> Just yeah,
3: in case you need to host
0: a gala. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to hell, everybody. Come on. It's all about the versatility. So we've talked a little bit about Scream 2 and Event Horizon. Let's go ahead. Throw them to the ringer. Let's put them. Let's Thunderdome on these guys. So we we try to keep kind of a, not an academic approach, if you will, but we want kind of a little bit of a rubric in R- terms of. So we can show our work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got two kind of. uh item ways we're looking at this we're looking basically we're battling the heart and the head if you will in terms of the heart you know we're t- we're t- basically looking at kind of the nostalgic feel that these films have with each other and in terms of the head we're just looking at you know what is ultimately if you took one of those films away what would 1997 be poorer without mm-hmm. so that being said in terms of scream 2 and event horizon for you guys which one is you know as Getty lee would say closer to the heart
2: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. For me, I'm actually going to go against what should logically be the more, <laughs> well, <it's a> <laughs> the correct rating, answer for me here. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to give it to Event Horizon, even though I Ooh. barely remember seeing this. For the first time.
4: <laughs> but it's
2: because on viewing, I was so upset with myself for not having paid more attention to it, or whatever the hell happened that first time I saw it. And also, how much it's clear that it influenced so much of the shit that I love now, right? It Like, Firefly, a whole bunch of episodes are based on Event Horizon, clearly. oh yeah. A bunch of Doctor Who episodes, just a bunch of awesome shit based on obviously based on event horizon and and so well maybe you know the uh, uh, scream 2 has to be more nostalgic for me because i have a much better memory of actually sitting
5: down and watching it i'm still going to give it to event horizon
0: i like it i like it
5: yeah that makes sense i mean for me the heart rating the nostalgia factor is definitely going event horizon and that's just because look back to what i was like at around the time that i saw both of these movies and the space phase was strong so for me, it was just absolutely like locked in on something that had to do with space, freaked me the hell out, which is a good thing. That's a horror movie, but uh, it it's it sprung this whole like love of this movie that just continued to this day, and I just look back fondly onto that first viewing for sure. Nice. As well as
3: as for me. It comes down to, I, I talked about the scene in Scream 2 that's burned into my psyche. It hasn't come up yet, but the one that, like, I still have nightmares about the airlock scene in Event Horizon. Oh! Uh, it's, it's
1: yeah. not good. I, poor Justin, yeah. man. <laughs> like, like
3: being aware of what's about to happen to you, it just makes it so much worse. Um those two scenes are battling it out in my mind. I think I'd have to go with the movie that I saw like in full, and that's Event Horizon, but as far as just psychological
4: scars, <laughs> these are the two of the bigger ones for me.
0: <laughs> what about you, Genius?
1: Okay, so obviously I'm gonna go Event Horizon. Not to be not like I wanna like oh I'm jumping on the bang but I love that movie <laughs> so much. But oh yeah. That being said, I was almost kind of like, I almost said Scream 2 because it's not that I have a better fondness memory of it. It is just seeing it in the theater and seeing it how so effective it was. That was an awesome moment. So that's why I was about to say Scream 2. But it's got to go with Met Horizon. I, I would be doing myself a dishonor.
0: And I'm going to jump on the bandwagon as well. It's one of those that, for me, it's kind of a no-brainer, you know, seeing both of them in the theater. But having that profound experience, because it was such a surprise. With Scream 2, I knew what I was getting. Yeah. But with Event Horizon, it was just such a shock. that mm-hmm. yeah, it, was yeah. Just, it, it, it really made an impact on me. So I'm going to say Event Horizon. So, damn it. With a heart, that's appropriate, that's Event Horizon across the So now that being said, if you were to take either Scream 2 or Event Horizon away from 1997, what would leave 1997
2: poorer? Uh, that's, it's a pretty tough question, right? Because without Scream yeah. 2, you're not continuing the series going. You don't mm-hmm. get Scream 3 and Scream 4 and the whole, but at the same time, would the world be that much worse without Scream 3 <laughs> and Scream 4? I'm not convinced it would. Okay. <laughs>
0: At Jay and Silent time, Bob would have a you know something to say right. about that.
2: They, they sure would. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you lose Event Horizon, and you're losing a very unique piece of cinema that, mm-hmm. that just doesn't really have a parallel. And invent it, you know, it influenced a lot of sci-fi and a lot of horror. So for me, it's it's got to be Event Horizon. While, yeah, it's not a it's not a series. You're, I I also just didn't like Scream three and Scream four well enough to make that worth it. And you know, while it wasn't as much like Scream 1 as I remembered,
5: it still is, you know, you you can get the same experience watching Scream 1. It is hard for me, too. It's almost 50-50. When I look back on it, I I think that Scream 2, as I mentioned earlier, it does a lot of things that (coughs) I think are, they work better in Scream 2 than they did in Scream 1. Like, the genre just lends itself so well to explaining what the sequel is like. Because that's what I think of when I think of Slashers, just sitting back, having a couple beers, and watching like this really awesome, kind of kitschy Slasher sequel. And that's great. And then you also think about, like Jack said, what it spawned and how well it's done as sort of this entry point into the genre for a lot of people that really still continues to this day with like the MTV series that's going on. Like mm-hmm. That is some staying power, and you can't really ignore that. But I'm going to go Event Horizon as well when I think about what that did for horror that year and then for Paul W.S. Anderson as a director, not everybody's going to be the biggest fan of your resident evils and things like that, but it definitely lent itself to a large number of movies that continue to be made. And, and without this movie at all, I think you, like Jack said, would be losing out on something that as a horror fan, you don't want to miss. Yeah, definitely. That's fair. That's fair. Um,
3: I, I like that you touched on the MTV series uh, because I, I wanted to get a plug-in for that thing. If you haven't watched it, it's a it's a pretty fun little series. Uh, you have to get past the high school drama levels of it, but I, I actually give that one a pretty good recommend, which then I guess segues into the fact that it if you remove both these two from, from the whole zeitgeist, there isn't a whole lot that I can directly trace back to Event Horizon. Uh, I love the movie, but... Yeah, and and I guess there's probably not too deep a bench. There's a much deeper bench as far as slashers go than space ghost house movies. <laughs> um, but even so, I, you know, it, it's hard to argue with the fact that one of the one of these was a commercial success that spawned a number of other sequels and a three season long at least show. Uh, I'm going to go with Scream 2 on this one, so I guess we're going to leave this up to uh, the
4: Nightmare Junkhead guys.
0: (laughs) Well, genius. A little pressure on you, man.
1: Okay, so um, I am going to agree with everybody, but I'm going to break it down a little bit. Um, (laughs) I think if we got rid of Event Horizon, like you said, cinema itself, horror itself, would lose something very unique and very special. Um, Something a cult hit almost. That being said, the staying power of Scream and Scream 2, especially because it is probably one of the most competent sequels of of, of any horror genre. I mean, it sets the be. rules up. It's, it, it follows its own rules while breaking some and bending some, but yet still saw in the same vein. That being said... I think Scream was such a big hit that even if there was no 1997 Scream 2, eventually there might have been a Scream 2 in 98 or might have been a Scream 2 in 99 or a remake in 2000, you know, something. Um, so I think if you take Scream 2 away, we would still get a Scream 2 at some point in time. If you take Event Horizon away, we would never get an Event Horizon. Not until another Mouth, in the, a Mouth of Madness and uh, or another um, Crazy Space Hellraiser-ish movie except Hellraiser (laughs) because that's bullshit but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I gotta go with Event Horizon but at the same time it's not without Scream 2's merits so absolutely
0: and this is just one of those things in terms of, depending on the day, my answer could be different. But honestly, with you take Scream 2 away, you still have Scream. Right. You still have Correct. That, you, you still have
1: Ghostface. You still have the iconography. It's
0: still established. You t- like, And you guys said, if you take Event Horizon away, you're losing one of the epic space horror flicks. And let me tell you, for that genre, there's not a lot out there to right. choose from. And so, you know, the fact that that exists, I also would have to go with Event Horizon. So I think based on our work here, gentlemen... Uh, we don't need eyes to see into the uh, the, 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 uh, the hateful eight here, but I think Event Horizon is moving on. Holy shit, Scream 2, we hardly knew ye. My goodness. Okay, so that being said, let's talk now. Let's get into some monster stuff here, because uh-huh. then our next two films, these were ones that were... Kind of joyous yes. to revisit. Yeah. But yes. also, uh, especially with Mimic, was such a crazy rewatch, so... This is hard. This, this bracket, for me, is really hard. So I'm going to throw it out to you guys. What did you guys think? We'll go ahead and start with uh, <coughs> Wishmaster. What's your guys' thoughts on Wishmaster?
2: Sure. This this bracket is especially difficult for me because these two movies, no shit. There was a, a theater in the small town that I grew up in before we moved out here to Boise when I was a little kid, but there was a theater in 1999 that was showing just horror movies uh, for, for a little bit, like as some kind of lead up to Halloween. And one week they, they had Mimic and they had Wishmaster playing. Those were the two movies oh. playing that week at this little small town theater. So I saw both of these two movies in the same week, uh, in 1998 or 1999. And so they are almost exactly at the same place in my head, wow. but, mm-hmm. but holy cow. That's, yeah, that's awesome. What a fun movie Wishmaster is. What a weird fucking monster. <laughs> the Djinn. The like, that's nuts. That's nuts. It's just the kind of thing, I mean, it's it's kind of trying to be a take on the old, uh, you know, the monkey paw tale, mm-hmm. right? The, you, you get exactly what you wish for, the Gypsy's Curse. There's a lot of different names for it, but, oh man, it's, there's nothing like Wishmaster. There's just nothing like Wishmaster.
5: No, not at all. I mean, I think for me, what I think back to when I look at my first viewing of Wishmaster is how little I knew at the time. It took a rewatch of this to realize how deep the benches in terms of just this thing is so chock full of horror icons oh, yes made by people who love horror as a love letter to the genre and i think that it's certainly better if you have that repertoire to be able to go into it and just start looking at all the different things that it presents you with so interesting rewatch for sure and that made it all the more fun to the point that you guys just made
3: and then as far as I go, this was kind of one that flew under the radar for a long time. I think for the first time I saw this, it was probably on – it was rerunning on the television, honestly. It was just like some lazy afternoon when I was working on my homework. I put it on in the background. But uh, it's – this is like the perfect movie to – again, we're going back to gateway movies. But this is like – it's so it's it's soft enough that I feel like you could show this to, to pretty young people and this would get, be like a great transition up –
1: Wait. Into, is it? Are we talking about the same Wishmaster? Are we? Because it sounds like you're talking about fucking Monster Squad. This is like. I mean, no offense. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I know you're the guest and all, but goddamn, I I just saw this movie maybe a couple of, like a couple hours ago, literally. And there's no way I'm like, hey, you want to see Robert Englund vomit up Vern Troyer? It's really cool. Come on, kids.
4: <laughs> he peels a goddamn
2: woman's face
1: off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would say this is family friendly fare. Okay, okay. Let see, if We're talking about the genre
3: of horror here. I mean, are you going to show them this, or are you going to show them Serbian this? film?
5: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'd show well, this. I mean, to make how this far do I you want to go, better. Mark? Plus, think about just like the rant that Fuck Flower goes on. <laughs> right? That's, God that's, goddamn asshole! You're, you're not. You're not showing anyone that unless they have some sort of reasoning
4: <laughs> no, going the, in. Come the,
1: on. The fact that he calls Reggie Bannister an aborted afterbirth of a Chinese gangbang. <laughs> That and, no, le, actually, let me let me. <clears throat> that asshole's nothing but a fucking aborted afterbirth. The vaginae's gangbang. I hope he gets cancer and dies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you want for your but, senior quote?
5: <laughs> yeah. Other than that, Mark, you're spot
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the beer. It's the beer talking. You know.
4: <laughs> I, yeah. Oh. Uh, you guys are
0: being mean. Uh, <laughs> I'm I going to go
4: home now. Is, is, is this movie is is like just
3: it's, it, This is the most fun of any of these. Yeah, movies. Yeah. yeah,
4: and that's that's kind of what I'm digging into. Okay, <laughs>
1: light light is <as> in light-hearted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh uh, shit!
3: So, I, I mean, what my kids are going to learn that language eventually. Anyway,
1: they, so... They're either going to learn it from Buck Flowers or the streets. So,
3: <laughs> actually, that from was... their dad's twenty-year-old podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guys, can you imagine
1: how fun that parent-teacher conference is going to be? <laughs> <laughs> a little Billy wrote down that his, t- <laughs> his teacher was an imported gangbang. <laughs> I would leave
0: it to talk. Uh, you're gonna, you know, every time you go to a new neighborhood, you're gonna have to like go door to door. Now it's like, so uh, my name is Mark. I gotta do this here. It's uh, but, uh You mentioned before it's kind of got like a. <laughs> <laughs> the expendables of horror, if you will, uh, just in terms of the, the actors. And also, this is uh, Robert Kurtzman is the director, the yes. K from KNB, which, you know, we were talking about the, just the intro you know, by Angus Scrimm yes, Angus Grim, Reggie Bannister, mm-hmm. uh, and just that that whole beginning of the movie in terms of you know the party, let's make this party, you know, yeah. something we'll never forget, and then just the the practical effects that are on display. Let me ask you guys this: just in terms of the Jin himself, I'm he's not going to necessarily show up on like the Mount Rushmore of horror, you know. That's you know obviously Jason, Freddy, and them. But would he maybe be on you know the 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 lower tier? You know, could you put him as an iconic uh, horror villain?
2: I, I think absolutely, and especially because the the '90s are kind of a weird era mm-hmm. for horror movies where you don't have all that much. You have Candyman, which I don't think gets enough recognition as, no. as the classic mm-hmm. yeah. movie it is, and you have yeah. Scream gave us Ghostface, but there isn't you know you don't have your your Jasons and your Freddys coming mm-hmm. out of the '90s. So you know, given that kind of slightly more devoid space, I think he belongs there
3: for sure. He's a classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah that mean, being like said. I she could also
3: like. totally see him as a as a villain in a Power Rangers episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ivan <have> Ooze. <laughs> like, like, he bulk and skull make bad wishes, like, wah, nah,
0: wah, 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 and just, like...
3: Yeah. <laughs> if you put this guy next to Ivan Ooze, they, they look pretty similar,
0: actually, mm-hmm. come to think that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely, definitely a fan of this, and also the fact that it, it spawned a franchise, weirdly enough... Yeah. And do you, yeah. so do you know that the, the sequel is decent, but like parts three and four, do you guys know who directed parts three and four?
2: I no idea. I haven't seen them. Don't know about them.
0: And there's a reason for that. It's Chris <laughs> Mind Freak Angel.
2: Oh, direct- my God. oh no. Yes.
0: yes. No joke. Wow. That's Someone's perverse wish came true <laughs> does for he, some reason. Does he do
1: all of his own magic stunts? Like I'm going to take your soul, but first I'm going to pull a goldfish out of your mouth
0: and just like <laughs> If only they would have done
1: that, my god it would have elevated it. It's like I didn't
0: wish for this. Mind freak <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> disappears. And you mentioned genius, you had just rewatched it.
1: Yeah, I, I literally just watched it like earlier today, a couple of hours ago. And it's the if practical effects. Okay, now oh. First of all, the digital effects were super hokey. At the time, they looked cool, but at the time, we didn't know them better. Because that but, was that whole Kane yeah. Hodder mm-hmm, death? Mm hmm. That was pretty bad. Yeah. But, um, and it was very time capsule because everybody had, like in Night and Scream 2, had the giant phones and even the gin is like this is a handy little device and I'm like it's three feet tall it's not little (laughs) but then and like half of his things could have been solved with like the internet now you know you couldn't make the wish master today and if it would it'd be fucking chris angel so you know but the practical effects is good and it's so much fun like when the gin is like I will follow you anywhere you go Elizabeth or whatever her name was and she picks up the phone and goes fuck you and then just (laughs) hangs up I just (laughs) giggled so much and the deaths the deaths were so, like, unique. Um, the practical effects were so well done. And there was a shitload of practical That's effects time. in there. So many people died in such horrific ways.
2: <laughs> they, they really went for it. And this movie is interesting because it's a pretty unique blend of practical and CG that didn't mm-hmm. exist at the time. Like, they blend the practical gore and shit into, you know, generated effects in a way that doesn't hold up that well. But the fact that they're based on practical yeah. means it... And it, it, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was a pretty interesting foray and pretty innovative
1: for the time. And another, I mean, uh, oh, go on. With the notable exception of the
4: security guard that gets shattered, <laughs> Whoa, that well, was Kane well, Hodder. Yeah. The Kane
5: Hodder death. I don't care if it looks shitty. It's Kane Hodder getting turned into glass <laughs> and then shattered. Like that is one of my favorite scenes in the movie.
0: Well, you you mentioned it before. This is the probably the most fun film uh-huh, out of the yes. four that we're looking at, yeah. and that's something you don't. Again, with horror films, it is all about the scares. But you know what? It's fun to have. It's there's you want to go and have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, certain Absolutely. this is a film that you can throw on at any time. I think, and it'll fit the mood. This isn't one I think you have to be in a special kind of mood to watch. Right. It just works.
1: It, 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 like yeah. it, it's funny, it's fun, um, and it's kind of neat to see them. I don't want to say go horror back to. The fables and stuff, but there really were stories of the jinn, you know, mm-hmm. there really was like this mythical being that could fuck you up. It's cautionary tales. Yeah. It's, you guys
0: mentioned it before, the monkey's paw. It's, you know, you have to be, you have to be careful of your own hubris, you know, that will come back to bite you. So
5: flowers. Yeah. you
0: can throw it as a morality tale. So, which is kind of nice to throw, but mm-hmm. you know, honestly, you don't want to do that. It's a fucking, it's a, you, you got know, your morals in my horror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that being said, let's go ahead and transition then over to mimic. And this is the one that was probably the biggest surprise rewatch for me because this is another one that I saw in the theater and another one that I really had no idea what to expect. It was just this new up-and-coming director, you know, Guillermo del Toro, and holy shit, you want to talk about a tonal contrast yeah. from yeah. Wishmaster. <laughs> My God, Mimic is just... But just as brutal. It's mean. Yeah. It's really mean. So yeah, what did you yeah, guys think on Mimic? Far it's definitely a dark one like it and i think it's
4: overall like i think it's a higher quality film mm-hmm. from
2: looking at you know pacing and just every everything acting everything you can do in a film direction but it's the cg is really rough in it that was one thing that i did not remember uh, maybe just having seen it when it you know, a couple of years after it first came out but also it's it's crazy because it's a del toro movie and it's he is such a big fan of these fantastical scores in almost all of his movies, and they're such yeah. a weird choice. When scary <laughs> shit is happening, there's like these twiddly <laughs> little flutes and piano happening. <laughs> you know,
4: it's, it's
2: crazy. It's so that was a that was a big surprise. I definitely didn't remember that, and that pulled me out of it a lot on this watch through. it's, it's a but it's certainly I mean a quality directed movie like you can't yeah. you can't deny that mm-hmm.
5: yeah it's interesting you mentioned that one jack because I, I agree with you on the whole in terms of like del toro scores but for this one like it worked something about just the disgusting <laughs> gross oozy creepy crawly nature <laughs> of this movie i didn't even notice it not at all uh, all i was focused on was how creepy it was and how dark to go back to what we were talking about just a minute ago it was i mean like all these kids are dead There are like no kids left so yeah, let's create this super insect, and obviously all hell breaks loose, but man, oh man, I didn't remember almost anything from this movie, which is interesting considering the first time I saw it. It's such a vivid memory. Vivid for all the wrong reasons, I
4: guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a distance makes the heart grow
5: fonder kind of movie for me. This was one of those ones that the—I don't
4: know if you
3: guys remember the, the DVD, like, case and the artwork that was on it. Uh, I just remember, like, eyes staring at me from, from the— rack of movies that I was choosing from took it home watched it had a good time whatever I'm kind of with uh, I'm kind of with Jack on this one going back and giving it another watch I, I guess it's sort of typical 90s horror where it it was really good at the time <laughs> <laughs> maybe it didn't age so well uh yeah the the score is is kind of twiddly and the cgs kind of twiddly I guess in a different way <laughs> I don't have a different way of describing that.
1: Twiddler works. (laughs) Why not the the twiddler diddler? There we go. (laughs) Really,
0: does it always have to come around to diddling? Really, it's just a fun (laughs) word to say. (laughs) Like peculiar.
4: Bands, you're gonna end with twiddling, right? so genius what was kind
0: of your thoughts on this one going back to it
4: i
1: thought the music worked i gotta say because yeah. even like you said the twiddly but roach is kind of twiddle you know I what agree. i'm saying I it's agree. like it, it worked with the scenario of like the just the disconjointed just kind of like and the Uh, fact of the matter not only did they kill a shitload of kids at the beginning (laughs) but those two little moppets that like you think they're going to like oh it's going to be the happy they're going to survive and save the day no they get fucked up and so I remember seeing this for the first time like like I said this on the last episode but the fact of the matter that Del Toro says here I am I'm fucking killing these kids and you're going to watch every second of it you're just like holy shit And it was well. It was well acted. A very cool concept and a very cool story because the mimics themselves are really terrifying when they're yeah. up close. And so, then also, and, he,
4: and to
3: elaborate on that a little bit, the one scene where they where they put the two—I don't even know what to freaking call them—the arms of the thing together as mm-hmm, the mask. Mm-hmm, oh, yeah. oh man, that is that is a glimpse into early Del Toro. That's the that's the. <laughs> future that's coming for that
4: guy. <laughs>
0: well, that's, that's the a thing. great time capsule. It's totally, it's distinctively <coughs> Del Toro. Yes. I mean, it's, yes. he's truly, I don't want to necessarily say he's an auteur, but, but this he is has. where he
1: honed and just says, this is what I'm all about. Cause Cronos had a little bit of it, mm-hmm. but he, with with budget restraints, this is the one
0: where Del Toro goes, I am Del Toro. So yeah. Well, it was his big, basically his kind of mm-hmm. big, bu- big budget feature on that one. So you want to talk about a difference though between Wishmaster and Mimic, though, in terms of the cast, because this one, you've get when that was probably the other biggest surprise. I'd forgotten how many people that I'm like, holy shit, it's Rock, you know, that's yeah. in there. It's a, uh, jo- it's Josh Brolin <laughs> mm-hmm. of all people showing up and dying in this. You know, he was still not necessarily yeah. big enough to, yeah. to, to where well, he make could it be fodder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Mira Sorvino is great. Even uh, F. Murray Abraham shows mm-hmm. up in this
4: yeah random F. Murray Abraham <laughs> which is
0: take a drink I guess you know because, <laughs> but yeah just the, the it was just a very high class cast uh, which I appreciated and which you obviously get with a lot of Del Toro flicks mm-hmm. uh, obviously we don't get Ron Perlman in this one unfortunately but he, you know. he was the <laughs> voice
1: he was the voice of the mimics I guess something <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just
0: okay. making it up. I'm just like, like, I'm just Greg's looking at me like know, for real? Greg. And I'm like, no dude, I'm so the IMDB.
1: I did right? look at that. Holy <laughs> shit
0: No, there was uh this one it definitely was a lot of fun <coughs> watching though, but just in terms of kinda now looking at putting these two together, it is Obviously, for you guys, I know this is going to be definitely more of a Sophie's Choice for you, but they are just so two different films, but I think they're going to be tough to battle, too, especially mm-hmm. when we're looking at the heart and the head. So let me throw it out to you guys. Uh, we'll start with you guys. Just in terms of being closer to the heart between Mimic and Wishmaster, which one works out for you?
2: It, you're, you're right. It's brutal, <laughs> especially for me having seen these the same week when they you know when I saw them both for the first time, both in the theater. Uh Part of me wants to, to give Mimic some credit because of how well it held up in my memory versus how well it actually is. <laughs> um, I, I guess I want to give it some credit for that, but it. I, I think I'm gonna have to give it to Wishmaster because I had I had a I, this movie freaked me the fuck out when I saw it the first time, and I had way more fun watching it this time. Um, Mimic That's- I think was more existentially terrifying. It just left me with a, a pit of dread the first time I saw it, but it's it's a it's a rough watch. At least compared to Wishmaster, the second time over, and and so I'm
5: gonna have to give it to to Wishmaster, I think. So for me, nostalgia. It, these are almost they're two very different takes on what nostalgia can be for me because Mimic is the movie that I remember walking into the video store that day, like Mark had kind of said, seeing the eyes on that rack. I rented it, I watched it, I drank Mountain Dew, I ate I don't know Airheads, whatever the hell I was eating at the time. I was a kid. Yeah. I watched it. It terrified me. I loved it. Took it back had fond memories, that sort of nostalgia. Like, it just, the epitome of your summer night, you get to rent a movie childhood for us at the time. And then, Mm -hmm. as far as Wishmaster goes, all the nostalgia factor for me is, like, who is involved in it and what they've done in horror as a whole. It's just such a great cast of characters and things that I think about when I think of my love of horror that I get nostalgic for things on, I guess, a wider level when I think about that movie and my experience watching it. It just, it kind of gets you excited and pumped up in a way. Um, totally, totally different types, but I'm going to have to go with the personal one. I'm going to give it to Mimic. I keep going third, and,
3: and the other two
5: guys keep saying all the things I want to
3: say. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I, I, look, I guess it comes down to me, I, I very much enjoyed watching Wishmaster again. It was super fun. I, I remember it being a little bit less fun when I was a kid, so I don't know what was wrong with me, but going back <laughs> and watching it now, it's you like... A kid. You were a kid. Yeah, yeah I guess there you so. go. Yeah, well, the you were innocent. Uh, now it's just like a full-on B-movie, I guess. Um, Mimic, though, still has this like air of, of, of seriousness to mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. that, uh, I guess, paces it a little bit better. For me, it was just a little bit easier to watch. Um, nostalgia-wise, I, I guess... What I'm going to weigh in on here is I am less disappointed looking back at Wishmaster. I think it's mostly, well, I mean, I I don't want to weigh in on the CG because, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I I just think Mimic, I I remember it a little bit better. Uh, I just said that backwards.
1: (laughs) So your vote is?
3: (laughs) My vote is Wishmaster.
1: Okay. My bad. That's what, <laughs> <beer>. <laughs> No, it <laughs> that <I, I>, happens. <laughs> too many beers to fears, right? <laughs> um, no, um, so upon rewatching Wishmaster, I forgot how much fun this movie was. Um, it's super cool. A lot of great special effects, and it's a lot of fun. That being said, I forgot. How much fun this was I still yep. remember how much I'd like mimic uh, the story these I saw both in the theaters but I remember just saying who is this man that directed this movie where the kids are dying um, the roaches are destroying everybody um, this dark dark fairy tale that you have spun mr. unknown director um, <laughs> and so I, like, I think, like I said, I dismissed Wish. I liked Wishmaster, and I was like, that movie was cool, but I never even really sought it out afterwards. Um, I remember seeking out Mimic 2 and being disappointed, and I remember seeking out Mimic 3 and disap- being disappointed. And apparently, it sounds like I want to be disappointed to shit with Wishmaster 3 <laughs> and 4. So, <laughs> So, that being said, I'm going to have to go with Mimic, because I just have a better memory and I can still rewatch it and enjoy it. Oh, so that means it's up to you,
0: Greg. Ah, oh, <sighs> oh, I wish for another way out of this. Good Lord, here, yeah, this is a tough one because again, I did see both of them. They both mimic left more of a lasting impression on me. Just and for every reason you guys said, it's just mean. Uh, it's got a very distinct style. It made me kind of seek out and reverse engineer who was the Stel Toro guy. I didn't do that with Wishmaster. I just had too much of a good time but it was more popcorn versus, you know, with Wishmaster is more like um, uh, cotton candy. Mimic is a really messed up steak. You know, it's just, you know, (laughs) it's good. You know, it's like classy, but it's still a little unnerving. So I'm going to have to go with just because... I can watch it at any time, and I enjoyed it. I'm going to have to say Wishmaster for mine. Okay. That's the nostalgia. Now, in terms of if you got rid of either Mimic or Wishmaster, which one would leave 1997 poor? So I'm going to throw it out to you guys. Which one of those two? I
2: don't think this is that hard. I, I I think if you get rid of Wishmaster... The world isn't that much worse off. This is this is an, an ode to the genre, yeah. but it's it's mm-hmm. not doing anything fantastic in the genre. This, the The practical effects aren't any better than Hellraiser's, which you know it's Ooh. it's almost what yeah. almost Earlier. exactly ten years ten later. Ten years, yeah, exactly ten years later. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and they're they're fun. It's a lot of fun, and practical effects I think are always great. But but Mimic is is Del Toro and and the beginning of Del Toro, yeah. and I think critically he, he was so pissed off that he couldn't get. The, the rights to Final Cut on this, right? He was so pissed off that the, the, the studio took it away from him that it changed how he negotiated his future films, mm-hmm. and I think that's why we get such raw, uncut Del Toro going <laughs> forward, and I think the the horror world is it's much worse off without that. I think, I think it's got go to go to Mimic on this one. I think it's the better film overall, and, and even though the CGI doesn't hold up very
5: well. <laughs> you still had to slip that in there. <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> it's really bad. I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean... This is Del Toro's coming out party. And if you don't have that, who knows what you get from Mm -hmm. one of the most brilliant filmmakers that the genre has seen in quite a while. Um, I mean, you can't totally discredit Wishmaster. Kirsten did a great job. I love the practical effects in that. It is an ode to the genre. But you look at that guy's resume and everything that he's done, particularly from an effects standpoint, with a lot. Of, it's a laundry list of some of my favorite movies in the genre. Fuck, from, from Dust Till Dawn's in there. Oh, has, yeah. Not, not a director, but effects. And that's mm-hmm. probably my favorite horror movie of all time for various reasons. Yeah, me too. I just <laughs> mimic. It's Mimic. again i keep going third this is
4: poor mark uh
3: just as just as a little bit of an exercise i also looked up who directed uh mimic three uh same guy who just wrote uh who wrote outlast
4: and outlast 2 so you
3: have on one side two great horror video games and on the other side you have mind freak Uh, I, I think that says it all. I'm, I'm I'm
0: gonna go with mimic three. I mean, realistically, <laughs> But oh my god! Okay, so genius.
1: Um, I've got really nothing to add more than has it ever been said. This is Del Toro. It, you like you said with, without mimic we wouldn't have uh, Hellboy, we wouldn't have Blade Two. we wouldn't have The Strain, we wouldn't have any of this amazing stuff. Hans Labyrinth. Right, without Robert Kirchman directing a movie, we would still have more Robert Kirchman movies. Um, we would have his effects, we would have that. So I gotta go with Mimic on this. Yeah,
0: It's it's to me this is kind of a no-brainer just between the two. Again, if you lose Del Toro, if you lose, but also if you think about it though, maybe if he had a better experience for his first big feature-length film, you know maybe we could see a different del- we might see god forbid a family friendly del toro cuz even uh, yeah. we have
1: guardians of the uh, rise of the guardians isn't that del toro I don't think that was del toro No the box troll is the box troll that Netflix cartoon that's del toro Really Yeah
0: he did Pacific Rim too wow. Yes he did yeah. which is a film that I when I saw in the theater I didn't really like it but repeated viewings I've really come to enjoy that one Yeah. So I've got I to me this is a no brainer we've got 5 for uh, del toro 3 for wishmaster so honestly wish as you weigh man it's not going to work the judas contract is going to come back and we're going to go ahead and say mimic going through to the next round so holy shit that's exciting so yeah i know you're
1: right we have event horizon versus versus two very dark movies not only aesthetically but like in tone too yeah
0: as as you mentioned existential dread with both of them so this has been rough but also a blast Mm -hmm. um Thank you so much, you guys, for taking the time out and d- drunkenly debate with us, even though I'm, I'm a one-drink wonder, so I'm, <laughs> a, I'm glad I'm not driving. You know, this is a good thing. Uh, but thank you for taking the time out, talking with us on this. Again, where can our listeners find you guys?
4: Hey, thank you, guys. It's
2: it's really been a blast. It's been a great time. Um, again, you can find us at A-ZHorror.com, and that one's with a hyphen, A-ZHorror.com, or on Twitter at a 2 toz horror or the easiest thing is probably just on the phantom podcast network where they find your great podcast
0: as it is man so jack jake and mark thank you for taking the time out again we do appreciate it um we're going to take a quick break guys when we come back we are going to be talking event horizon and mimic with don't the gang. Need, you
1: don't need eyes to see the roaches
0: <laughs> with the gang from the phantom zone podcast we will be back this is sid higg for nightmare junkhead listen i'll
1: come over there and put my boot all up in your ass
0: all right, gang, we are back, and thanks to the gang from the A to Z Horrorcast, mm-hmm. we have slashed four horror classics down to two, and we're going to slash them even further. Like a good killer should. Damn right. Um, so that being said, our next guest, guys, they take a look at some of the worst that Celluloid has to offer. We were lucky enough to guest on their podcast, and we talked (laughs) Ghoulies Go to College. I don't know if
1: lucky is the proper word for Ghoulies Go to College. (laughs)
0: We'll get into that a little (laughs) bit here, Uh, but you can check them every Friday. Uh, Welcome to Nightmare Junkhead for the first time from the Phantom Zone podcast, Adrian Torres and Scott Daly. Guys, how are you?
7: I'm doing great. I was waiting for Adrian to go first. but yeah. I, I, was, I was
6: being a gentleman. I'm the, sorry. I was holding the well, door thank for you, you so much.
0: That's okay. <laughs> there was such a dramatic pause there. I was like, oh, shit, I think we just lost him. Uh, Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? you got to build it up. <laughs> yeah. no, so before we get into anything, please tell our listeners where can they find you guys through social media, websites, all that kind of good stuff. Plug away. Scott, you can go first again.
7: All right, you can find me on uh, Twitter at scottdaily 85 That's D A L Y, and you can see uh, all my writing and other podcasts at uh, DailyPlanetFilms.com. dot com. It's a it's a play on words. You get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think and our uh,
6: ends uh, this part of the episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Adrian?
6: Uh, I can be found on Twitter at yo Adrian um, and also the one for the podcast is Phantom Zoned Ed underscore. So it's Phantom underscore Zoned. Just and, easy. Any can Yeah, it's super easy. <laughs> and I guess I should have plugged that. Thanks, Adrian. For, for <laughs> That's why you- We're actually doing pretty well. That if you do put in Phantom Zoned on uh google we're like the first or second hit that pops up on there
0: oh nice nice so zod isn't really
6: actually yeah we're actually ahead of an episode that adam savage did of his podcast that he called an episode phantom zone so i was like ha we're in front of somebody who's more well-known than we are on Google.
0: Moving on it's up, only, man. Mm-hmm. It's,
6: it's only a couple
7: more episodes before we get the cease and desist from DC Comics. From DC, <laughs> yay! And you well, will that, go that, to the true.
0: Phantom that, Zone be coming out next month. So, <laughs> so we were lucky enough. To, well, and I say lucky enough in quotes. There, right. <laughs> uh, you guys had us on, and we talked. Uh, Ghoulies go to college, mm-hmm. which let me tell you, as a rewatch, was kind of rough. So, I definitely want to make sure our listeners go and uh, listen to that. But how did the whole podcast come about?
7: Well, I uh, I started my own podcast just to talk about movies like uh, almost two years ago now, and uh, I met Adrian uh, online through the Birth Movies Death website, the comment section there, and uh, we started talking via Twitter. And he saw that I was doing this podcast, and, and as you guys know, Adrian loves terrible movies, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he came to me with an idea to do a to do an, a show where we where we watch these terrible movies and decide whether they need to be banished to the Phantom Zone. Or, uh, or if they're good enough to be saved,
6: give them yeah, the so guilty it was an excuse to, to, to torture Scott, basically. <laughs>
7: basically, so it, the, the movies this guy comes up with, like, holy shit, <laughs> I've you never know, heard of any of them.
1: Exactly. You know what? I'm going to say this. I would like to think that me and Greg have a very vast knowledge of movies, but we shadow <laughs> in comparison to some of the things Adrian talks about. He goes, "Have you seen?" And we're like no, <laughs> and he tells us the synopsis of the movies and we're like, that
0: sounds rad and he goes, no, it's fucking not <laughs> so... <laughs> well, We were just talking off mic and you and I'm not going to mention it before because I don't want to spoil the episode that you guys are going to do but No, just... we, we
6: can, I'm totally fine with that.
0: Okay, well so... then let's talk a little bit about the next one that you guys are going to be doing because I'm a huge, <laughs> you know, outside of the, the horror realm uh, with Nerds and Nostalgia, we do, uh, you know, I'm a big ninja fan, you know, I grew up in the 80s, uh, I wanted a ninja belt star belt buckle, all that mm-hmm. kind of good stuff. But you threw out a ninja movie I've never heard. Do tell yes. a little bit about the one that you guys are going to be looking at with what, within your next few episodes.
6: Um, it's going to be the next episode, so we're going to record it sometime a week from when we're recording this one. We won't say when because I don't know when this one's dropping, so like <laughs> uh, But it's called Ninja Vengeance and the plot that I read of it says after um, a white teenager witnesses a black law student uh, be killed. He decides to use his ninja skills to seek revenge on the KKK.
0: That sounds delicious. That's uh, I'm upset <laughs> it, I haven't seen that be, yet.
6: Yeah, it's supposed to be terrible. And <clears> I, I read just a little like somebody's comment on it. And uh, the only comment that I could find that somebody said is you've never seen a movie where a character decides that he wants to get revenge on somebody, then instantly feels sorry that he was beating somebody up, and have an existential crisis while running away.
1: <laughs> when you're a ninja, you shouldn't have existential crisis. You should be yeah. like, already focused, like a razor, and then just, <laughs> you know...
0: Yes. N- maybe just a faux ninja then on that, unfortunately. So Ninja, <laughs> please. Ninja. <laughs> so I'm anxious to listen to that episode. And then, like I was telling you, I'll probably listen to the episode first, see if it does get banished or not to the Phantom Zone and uh, see what goes on after that. But you mentioned it was on Voodoo for Free, correct?
6: Yeah, th- that's how I try to find some of these. Is I-, I scan
5: <laughs> Voodoo for
6: Free for movies that I've never heard of at all. And I usually try to find movies that are before 2000. And that's kind of when you have a paradigm shift with the way lots of movies are being made, and you have the re-rise of direct-to-video. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it just has a different feel from the yeah. movies that were made in like the, the late 70s, 80s, and early 90s.
7: And I think we revel in these films that nobody has ever heard of, which, which means whenever Adrian asks me to pick an episode... I'm like, I don't know. You're the one that finds all these movies. I can't
6: think of anything. <laughs> I, I had, I, I'll make the announcement now. I haven't watched it yet, uh, but just based on the synopsis of it, it's going to be one of our next couple episodes. And somebody actually on Twitter found this movie and thought of me. And then I read about it. And I'm like, well, that's what we're going to do in the future. Um, it's a movie that was just made end of last year, beginning of this year. It's by a guy who, it's his second, like, feature that didn't star and act and, and was directed by him. And it has Lou Ferrigno basically doing his take on the Taken movies. Oh, whoa.
1: whoa. I have a set of skills. <laughs> you,
6: you
0: wouldn't like I, me I when saw, I'm angry.
6: <laughs> I saw the trailer for it and it made me sad.
0: Oh, no, really? That's yes. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, per se. Starring Boohoo Ferrigno. Right. Well, I actually rewatched uh <laughs> Pumping Iron not too long ago, and just the back and forth between Ferrigno and uh, Schwarzenegger, you do kind of feel bad for him. So you might want to watch that to prime yourself a little, Ferrigno, but Maybe. Ferrigno in a Taken situation?
6: Yes, and that... it's called
4: Instant
0: Death ooh, okay, okay, well, you know, I can dig that. So already you have people, then you've got some listeners then kind of requesting some of these films and throwing them out your way. That's rad. That's fantastic.
6: I'm happy with it. I don't know
7: know how comfortable I am whenever someone sees something terrible and says, you know who I think of? (laughs) of Scott and Adrian.
6: I I think they're trying to find something that breaks me. It hasn't happened yet. There hasn't been a movie in my life that i haven't said you know I, I, I have to watch this to the to the very end regardless I, of
0: how bad that'll is. probably be the very last episode you do it's the one where adrian finally breaks and then scott's <laughs> just there li- lifting the pieces holding your body it's in the mouth of <laughs> phantom zoned
1: it's like he's watching the movie and i'm like this looks super familiar and then i'm like ah! <laughs>
0: just and just chaos
1: do you listen to phantom zone
0: (laughs) (laughs) so one of the questions we've been asking everyone here is uh what was your initial you and adrian and scott what was your initial entryway into the world and the genre of horror
7: i'm gonna let you go first adrian
0: (laughs) um
6: well i've had several i mean the the first memory that i have like vivid vivid memory of horror i've actually mentioned on your guys's other podcast nerds of nostalgia and uh one of the live podcast episodes um, was the first instance, few moments that I saw of a horror movie was uh, Puppet Master.
0: That's right. That's right.
6: And I was originally afraid of it. And just because I didn't, I didn't know, I just saw a throat getting slashed and was, was frightened and terrified. But at the same time, that strange fear that I had, I think embedded something in me to want to seek out Uh, like weird horror movies and stuff, because I I had this image in my mind that most five-year-olds don't have when they're watching movies of a small, uh, muscle-bound, pinhead toy walking towards somebody while a scary, clown-faced, hook-hand puppet Descends from the top of an elevator. And don't forget, you know,
0: Miss <laughs> Leech there. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, is legitimately frightening. So I can understand how that would be very scary. Especially if you're like younger. I haven't to that part. That, that's it.
6: The only scene that I saw at, at this moment, because it was at a resort, and I was walking <laughs> downstairs where the video games were, and the counselors were watching it, was when Pinhead gets out of the coffin and is walking towards him in the elevator. And that's when a blade or whatever his name is drops Mm -hmm. down and cuts the throat
0: that's all i saw of it that's legitimately frightening too because i remember especially how that is shot Mm -hmm. there's some that's so that's well and when you're little to see like your toys come alive and kill things mm -hmm. that's definitely scary that's because that's your world so so were you just kind of enthralled with that to the point then you kind of just sought more of it out
6: yeah basically like as i got older you know you, you start with with younger stuff that you can get away with like uh in the 80s you had oh god now i'm gonna blank on it uh the howie mandel one. Oh, little monsters. monsters yeah you've got little <laughs> monsters you've got the gate you've got gateway ones that mm-hmm. you can get into that you can get away with because parents are like oh it's got kids in it that can't be too terrible
0: Mm-hmm. And we're, we've always talked about doing the Gateway episode, and eventually we will, because mm-hmm. we've been talking nonstop about non-horror films that you could transition to horror. Yeah, And I still stand by this day, Superman 3, that transformation <laughs> scene is still burned in my brain and still <clears throat> gives me the willies to this day. So speaking of willies, Scott, what was your initial introduction into the world of horror?
7: So I'm a little bit different from you guys because I uh, I got in very late. Um, because my uh, my family does not like horror movies. I grew up. My mom or dad hate hate horror. Um, so we never watched anything. And so it wasn't until um, you know the mid '90s, when I was uh, mid to late '90s, or right around uh, uh, the the time period for this this show, that I started um, being old enough to start watching horror movies on my own. And I, I fell in love with them. Um, so I've been like. This part of my life been been going back and trying to catch up on all the things I missed when I was a kid. So I'm way behind all you people. I've I've not close to the horror knowledge that you guys have. But Scott,
4: I got a
6: question for you. Oh no, what? When was the first time you saw Gremlins?
7: The first time I saw Gremlins, I don't. God,
6: I was probably 14. So it was late 90s. Okay. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. But honestly, though,
6: that's usually one of the big like gateway transitioning Mm -hmm. ones for people.
0: Yeah. 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 It was a PG movie. Hey, but, but at least
1: you're making up for lost time, so. Yeah,
7: and, yeah, and, and I definitely am. But and it I seems think I really, like, the first Scream, I think, is honestly one of the horror, first horror movies I saw. That,
0: there's nothing. Not that's but, a, yeah, that's a, hell a, hell a, good one. Yeah, yeah. a good one to start with. And doesn't but it seem funny. like it's more yeah. taboo than it's like the forbidden fruit that you're finally getting <laughs> to, you know, indulge in?
7: Yeah, yeah, but it's funny because I think it's a testament to how good that movie is that, like, the references went completely over my head, but I still really enjoyed the movie.
0: Was it weird then when you saw the original films that they were kind of aping and paying homage to?
7: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Especially that whole bit with Halloween. Scream did it! <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I do know
6: the first horror movie that I rented, though, I mean, because I got away with it, and I think because it was an unrated copy of it, and so they didn't check the that count at all but the first one that i rented i actually bought on blu-ray this week because it just came out through arrow video was brain damage
4: oh the hennenlotter
0: film wow yeah well that was one of the first ones that you were able to rent because
6: it was uh, (laughs) it was unrated and it was one of the little workarounds that certain video stores used to have is it said no R rated <laughs> under a certain age, right? So right. usually the clerks would pay attention. They're like, "Well, it's not rated, so technically it's not rated."
0: Oh R. my goodness! Bravo! <laughs> How did you remember your reaction to that one? Because I haven't seen that in a while, but it's it's such a weird mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. flick. And, uh,
6: lots of stuff went over mm-hmm. my head, but the <laughs> way that Elmer's played, Elmer, when yes. You, like, Ten years old, you're just like ah, this is funny. He's he's like a cartoon character
0: because he had that really wacky voice. No, no, actually, he had a normal voice, didn't he? He just had big wacky hair. Okay, that's right. And then and a wacky voice too. He
1: he was basically he put the dead and dropped dead Fred.
0: Oh God! (laughs) Well, no, no,
6: no, no, because Elmer's the
0: the parasite.
6: Yeah, yeah, and so he's he's got that old like um like kind of twenties thirties. Hey, Sonny. He's got that type of voice. You know, it, it's very sing-songy, kind of Frank Sinatra. That's right, because
0: it's such a weird contrast when Favorite you see poly? it. Come on, how about a nice glass of O.J.? <laughs>
6: that, that's exactly how he is, but he's, he's talking about <laughs> that he needs him to go uh, kill and get brain matter from people so that he will inject the lead character with this uh, drug that gets him back to the state of euphoria because the entire movie is an allegory for... Uh, the war on drugs that reagan was raging at the time
0: and again like any good horror it's a good reflection of the the current times and i will say i yeah. love arrow video in terms of the titles they put out because mm-hmm. even their non-horror stuff i picked up two um show kazuki flicks pray for death and rage of honor which i was shocked that there was a blu-ray and then they have all these and again we're huge fans of the special features yeah. uh, i know that one the brain dead one has like a really good making of doesn't it
6: I, I haven't gotten to watch it yet, but it's got several makings of on there. It's got an audio commentary. Y- you name it, they're insane with
4: mm-hmm.
6: like the old stuff they're able to get from every video release that's existed it's- as well as getting new interviews with people.
1: Mm-hmm. Did Arrow put out Just Desserts? I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look Arrow? at that I th-
0: one.
6: I think they got it in the pipeline. I know they just announced the Slayer, though.
0: Oh, oh my god, you're kidding
6: they just announced it this week
0: did they that's another one that was the one on the uh the trailer trauma oh yeah we were both like oh shit we haven't seen that one so this is going to be our excuse to go out and pick it up and then this is a technically it's a non-horror flick but you just picked up one uh adrian it was uh brian trenchard smith's the man from hong kong which also, as a special feature, has all of stunt rock
6: on it. <laughs> yeah it's got Stunt wow. Rock, it's got Death Cheaters, death it's got uh, the Stunt Men, Kung Fu Killers. Oh my it's God. got five movies that are in standard definition as well as the movie, which is in full 4k remastered uh, 1080p. And then they've got an hour's worth of unedited interviews that were in the documentary. Um,
0: uh, god, oh not quite
6: it. hollywood yeah not quite hollywood yeah but they've got they've got they're longer because in the movie there's only about 10 minutes that they cover in there mm-hmm. but it's 53 minutes worth of interviews from
0: everybody oh my god them. and if you're a fan of you know just genre films you're you you know brian trenchard smith's work uh dead in drive-in was kind of a horror kind of <laughs> apocalyptic one uh he's and fantastic yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. We live in this golden age now of these bo- boutique, you know, mm-hmm. Blu rays, which, sh- you know, Shout Factory, Arrow, um, Severin, just amazing material Vinegar here.
4: Syndrome.
0: Yeah. It, oh, God.
1: Has Full Moon got in on that uh, boutique by re releasing and adding all that stuff? Because I would
6: think, like, Charles yeah. Bam would be like, let's do this. I
0: know. You know isn't they're, there, they're like, a.
6: still, p- like, super cheap. Lots of their stuff's been, like, reissued just the movies themselves by. Um, Echo Creek, which is a a very, very small label that kind of just puts stuff out so they can make a quick buck. Uh, But they haven't had like a big release through him.
0: Hmm. Be anxious to see what they do with that. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I'm really anxious to hear what your guys' opinions are on our final two flicks from 1997, especially since we've got, you know, Adrian's... Huge wealth of knowledge, and then Scott's little neophyte, you know, eager to learn, you know, opinion here. So, that being said, I kind of, you know, we're looking at Event Horizon and Mimic. Um, so that being said, before we kind of go into our rubric and breaking down and putting pitting them against each other, I just wanted to hear what is your guys' uh, relationship with any of these films? We'll go ahead and we'll just start with Event Horizon. So uh, Adrian and Scott, what are you guys, what are your thoughts, feelings on Event Horizon?
4: <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. That's not a good start. No, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that was. Uh,
6: okay, uh, okay I'll, I'll, both these movies are, are strange because neither one of them is what you would call a person film. They, they both have lots of great ideas and the majority of execution is there, but there's something that kind of holds back on on each one. Um, for Mimic, there's times where there's weird lulls that slow down in the action and they don't really have any, uh, anything building up with the creatures. Um, Event Horizon is a movie that I enjoy watching and just thinking about it being fun but then, when I get in like a larger conversation with people, and people uh, proclaim it to be like the end-all, be-all, I, I kind of take a little step back, and that's partially because of the, the director. I like it; it's entertaining. Some of the CGI hasn't maybe um, aged as well as you'd hoped, but of course, that's it's ninety-seven, so that's that's understandable. But there's something that keeps me from saying that it's. It's absolutely great and astounding. I enjoy it. It's fun, but that's kind of where it stays for me.
1: Hmm. What about you?
6: I, I love *That Horizon. I mean, it's
7: <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I really like this movie. I think it's... Like, you can tell how much they're borrowing from all these other movies. Like, it's a little bit of Alien. It's a little bit of Shining. Um, and, and it's a little bit of Hellraiser. Hellraiser. But it's... I don't know, like... I think the biggest problem with it is that it feels like it's building to something crazy, and it just never quite gets there.
0: Wait, wait, Um, the orgy of violence at the end wasn't crazy enough for you, Scott?
7: It's like so, it's so quick, it's like over in five seconds, like it feels like they're building to this ridiculousness, and I don't know, it just... The, the 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 climax of the film just doesn't do it for it doesn't it doesn't feel to match what they were building to this whole time
1: i don't know orgies never last as long as you'd hope them to be <laughs> but, you know the, the, speaking from experience.
0: well it was famously really cut down because i think mm-hmm. they initially had like about a two and a half hour long original cut of the film and it was just all the craziness because you you just talk about just the orgy I mean there is an orgy level of violence in those in scenes the orgy. Yeah. and then they did have to cut it way back to about a 90 minute film so I kind of think it works though just in terms of it It, it kind of like doesn't fill it, you have to fill in some of the blanks there mm-hmm. quite literally you know filling in the uh, the negative space if you will which right. can be a little daunting but Adrian we've talked a little bit about um, Anderson and his work so you think you kind? do you have um, separating the art from the artist in terms of his body of work and kind of how it influences you with this film
6: there's for event horizon it's funny the the only time that i'm ever able to get anybody to say much negative about it is along the lines of what was what scott was saying but you have to bring up an entirely entirely different movie to get it to work and that's danny boyle's sunshine And I have the same issue with Sunshine that I do with this movie where, like like you were saying, you've got everything's great and it's building up and then it feels like you're going to have something. And then your villain just kind of feels very samey, samey, no, (laughs) samey.
0: Oh, so so a lot of edging, you know, they keep giving you to the, uh, they keep going, building, building, and then call, bring it back, and, and building, building. Yeah,
6: I, you've got all the violence and you've got all the imagery and everything that you're seeing, but there's nothing that that Sam Neil is necessarily doing once he's in that state. I, you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit because he's like, ah, I've been to the other side and this is what I look like, but I don't <laughs> have any powers or so, anything.
7: So in the original cut, that wasn't even him, right? Like, that's what I heard, that in, in the original cut of this movie, uh, Lawrence Fishburne fights the guy on fire at the end, and they had to cut it because it tested so badly, um, I, and they just put Sam Neill in his place.
0: I wouldn't be surprised with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would like, definitely if, make...
7: If, if, if you look at it, like, when he's fighting Sam Neill, all the, the cuts are, like, of his mouth, and mm-hmm. just his face, like, really super close-ups, and I think it's because they had to put him in afterwards. Um, and I think that that I think that leads to the third act problem that that Adrian's talking about is that it doesn't culminate to what it should
6: I will say that it's the best out of out everything that Paul WS Anderson's done well, that's very easy <laughs> yeah, well,
1: yeah that's you know <laughs> I will not have any little slander about mr. Jovich he's not Udo here <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no um, I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree with you guys. Um, That's fine. That's I I, fine. I think because I rewatched this movie, both of the movies last night, and prepared because I decided oh. to get more prepared uh, as we get <laughs> as we get closer to the end. Um, and so I found that the third act really worked for me because it led up to this feeling of dread it led to this melancholia almost it, the sadness that the whole thing invoked yeah. the whole pathos between the fire man, the burning man and burning man and um, Lawrence Fishburne the whole sadness that Sam Neill finally does succumb because of the guilt that he's feeling um, the whole the fact that the haunted house the spaceship haunted house isn't just using Boo, ghost, no, but their own nightmare their own psyche their own fears um the woman losing her child's legs uh Lawrence Fishburne losing another person all these people's fears manifesting mm-hmm. and I thought it worked the ending worked very well and even on Mimic um I I didn't think it there were, yes there's some parts that, that dragged but I think it told overall the story and the one thing Mimic has it's setting up the Del Toro verse. It's giving him a chance to actually hone in on his eye and tell and weave his story. Uh, the director's cut versus the the uh, theatrical release of Mimic. However, the original release is significantly better in my opinion than the um, director's cut. The Del Toro added a whole bunch of a subplot of the pregnancy aspect of it. Yeah. where like where they because in the original there was none of that like oh, oh it's actually positive right. your test is positive come in come in blah 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 because when the ending spoilers <laughs> the Holy ending God. when the, <laughs> the when the autistic kid finally is holding on to mirror sorvino and uh the doctor at the end it's we're almost
4: have a baby
1: yeah i didn't like that <laughs> we're gonna have a baby part of the directors i thought that that lost the whole thing because in losing everybody else she gains the child that she really wanted desperately and so i think the original cut of mimic is significantly better than the director's cut but that being said i have to disagree with you on both those aspects of the third acts kind of slogging down um especially i I
6: didn't mean that the the third act of mimic slogged down just uh event horizon if i i'll all i'm going to say um because personal opinions do matter when it comes Into this, oh yeah, subjectivity, Um, of course, yeah, of course. But it's something that I want to throw out. We won't go into the movie because we don't want to spoil anything.
0: Oh no, we've already uh, seen no spoilers spoilers
6: ahead. No, 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 no. (laughs) not 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 for this movie is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, different movie. But because the conversation that we're having here with the third act in this genius is very famous to a conversation that you and I had recently and I've had a couple times considering it a movie that came out recently in The Void and we come down on Mm -hmm. on the same Mm -hmm. side of it where I felt that in building up to something that they needed something extra for their main villain and having it slow a little back down towards them didn't work for me but you felt that that sang absolutely again.
1: Yeah I I think it's like I don't want to say that I got it, because once again, it's all subjectivity, but I think I understood what the directors were trying to say and achieve, you know? So, but like you get something, it's all opinion and it's all subjectivity, but yeah, I have to respectfully disagree with you on Event Horizon and Mimic, so...
6: I'm I'm backing up your position there.
0: Well, let me throw this one out there regarding the two films in terms of the directors and their specific styles and, you know, kind of going into the auteur theory um, in terms of between Anderson's visual style and what we're accustomed to with a lot of his later work, because this is one of the films that I will point to this and soldier actually uh, to, and I, I, Hey, you know, me and Kurt Russell, you know, sploosh. Hey,
6: no, that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll defend most
0: of soldier. But, you know, know, (laughs) no, <laughs> Most of, mostly, um, but no, and just in terms of, you know, a lot of people have issues with him because I, I think a lot of people seem kind of a little cookie cutter and safe, but then I always, do you, you know... Re- Turn them to Event Horizon because to me nothing about it is really safe. Mm-mm. I think it's him a little bit more unhinged, and I'd like to see a little bit more of that in some of his other films. And then of course with Del Toro, and we kind of talked about it in the first part of the episode, just in terms of him kind of like announcing his presence in a major motion picture and like this is me. So I'm going to throw that out to you guys. Do um, their styles at all you know affect your opinions of the films in terms of what they're done, what they've done, and what they've um, you know what they started with?
4: Yeah. I- uh-
7: absolutely um i think i was I, I remember seeing mimic when it came out mm-hmm. um and i remember not thinking a lot of it at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> um but going back to to rewatch it uh, for this um i was shocked at at how much how del toro it feels um mm-hmm. and like it, it's taking what i think is a pretty standard script and he takes it and with his style, he infuses something that makes the movie much better than it could be any other way. Um, and I, 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 I love what he does with this movie. I love some of the, the very obvious, uh, Christ imagery throughout. the Yes. Um,
1: Come on.
0: The the Judas, Judas strain. Come on. The fact
1: that you kind of open it up with the preacher being eaten and drugged right underneath a a Jesus saves thing. It's kind of like, and you know, another thing,
6: how does he die? And, and how does the priest die?
1: He gets eaten by a roach.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that fall is what kills him. <laughs> well, yeah, the fall <laughs> does.
1: That's true. That
6: That is but true. When he, but when he dies, instead of blood coming out of him, what, is, what gets left behind?
1: It's the white paint that he falls is the, the t- cannon.
6: The white paint yeah. that is used to kind of symbolize or at least evoke in the mind the the slimy, gooey insides that you Arocha. might get if you were to crush a cockroach.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, Del Toro is not necessarily subtle. Well, you so. know what yeah, else? Something I noticed. Like,
6: the,
7: the, end of the, the end of the film, um, when she like, lures the bug back to her by using a crucifix to cut open her hand, her like, hand. on the exact part where Jesus would have been nailed on the cross.
0: It's oh, like, yeah. A little stigmata action. That's right. Yeah.
7: Like, it's... It's obvious. Um, it's not very subtle, but I don't know. It just really worked on me. Mm-hmm. I really liked
0: it. And
1: you know what else I've noticed about Del Toro's style? He has a—I th- don't want to say he has a thing for—but he definitely has a penchant of putting bowl-cut, weird, creepy children in his movies.
7: Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, because and he's not afraid to just ha- f- kill him. That no, yeah, that yeah.
1: That, that's one thing. <laughs>
0: that's one thing that just in terms of kind of the commonality of one thing that we've always appreciated and respected about Del Toro <laughs> is the fact that he will kill kids. <laughs> He'll fuck them up. <laughs> like bloody fuck them up. And that's you don't see that necessarily with Anderson. So I think obviously between the two, you kind of have a safer Director with Anderson and someone that's a little bit more daring with Del Toro, but I also love the fact that basically we're talking about a haunted house flick versus a monster flick, mm-hmm. and how they are kind of diametrically opposed, but they're also <coughs> putting in some really cool. You know, you got a haunted house in space, mm-hmm. you have a monster movie underneath
1: this, underneath your feet, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and so I really think those work well with that. Um, and yeah. you know
1: what? They're both fucking terrifying. Because, like I said, it's, I was watching them last night, and. They both set up the atmosphere so yeah. well done to me um, with uh, Event Horizon, just the creepy aesthetics of a dilapidated haunted spaceship, and then, of course, Del Toro and those goddamn sewers and that yeah. fucking filth. Yeah, they... <laughs> yeah, fuck all that noise. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it.
6: Now, now I, d- I don't want anybody to yell at me and call me contrarian, but I... I... <laughs> I, I am going to, to... On a technicality, I'm going to say no to the question that you posed okay. about the movie's completely um, being a good example oh, of the yeah. director. And, and the reason that I say that for Del Toro is because the movie's basically an experiment for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's coming directly off of... Um,
0: Chronos. Chronos.
6: Oh, yeah, Chronos And he's trying a lot of things that he ends up putting in... His movies and at the same time he was pushed back and he was told you know that there's certain things that he had to cut back in the movies and he he he's a good enough person that he places the blame entirely on himself for not getting to make the movie that he wanted to make but when you're watching and you compare it to like the rest of his work you can see that he's trying elements but it doesn't fully have that stamp it's leaning towards that and you're able to look back at it now with everything that he's done and see those elements and what he's trying to do and it has more of a del toro feel now that he fully knows Mm -hmm. what it was that he was wanting to do but at that time had you gone from Kronos and then seen mimic it's a completely different beast in that other movie
0: and also, I think it's you know the restraints of his first big budget major motion picture,
4: mm-hmm. and yeah.
0: you know everything that you're going to fall into, you know, versus you know indie filmmaking versus working with the studio behind you. There are going to be some limitations in terms of what you can do and how you can do it. Yeah, it's mimic ba-
6: is one of my my big um, what it could have been or, or what it should have been based on on the history behind mm-hmm. it. And for those who don't know, um, one of the original or the first rewrite um, of the film was done by John sales and del Toro read the script and said that it was one of his favorite scripts of all time. Probably said, this is the the best cock
0: sucking script ever.
6: (laughs) And, uh, and the studio said, no, we, we don't really want it. And so then Steven Soderbergh actually (laughs) wrote a draft of the script God damn! And del toro liked it and the studio said no no we don't really like it
0: bunch of suckers so, exactly so, so
6: sorry I, lo- I love watching del toro speak <laughs> you've got two great screenwriters and you've got a future great director mm-hmm. whose studios were saying no we don't really want this at all so it, it was hamstrung in that way mm-hmm. and for Event Horizon, you look at everything else that Paul W.S. Anderson's done, and it doesn't match the things that he gets incredibly right in Event Horizon. So you're not sure if Event Horizon happened to be a fluke, or if the movie didn't do as well as he wanted to, or he wasn't happy with the presentation of it, that in all these other movies he didn't try to lean into those elements again. Mm.
7: I feel like I can safely say fluke if you look at the rest okay. of his work.
6: The, the big complaint that I have, there's plenty of people who love the first Resident Evil movie, and I love about 30 to 40 minutes of it. <laughs>
4: and
6: the start of the movie is great, and the start of the movie feels like a different movie until you get to one scene. And that's the moment that Mila Jovovich jumps off the three walls and kicks uh, the zombie dog in the face. That's when everything completely changes in, in the way the film's structured and it feels. And it kind of, to me, felt like he was saying, Okay, I'm not, re- I don't really feel comfortable in the film that I'm making. This is what I want to do instead.
1: Maybe he dis- maybe that's the point when he decided to become, instead of a Just horror that. author, a horror auteur to become more action horror as opposed to horror action. <laughs> so.
0: I can def- you can definitely tell. There's, there's definitely um, a tonal shift with his work. Yeah. But that being said, after uh, definitely kind of go- getting into detail here, I want to make sure that we put these two together head-to-head. Uh-huh. And much like we did with our 1987 films with Patrick from uh, F This Movie, we're going to look at two criteria when it comes down to seeing who goes forward into the Frightful Four. So the first thing that we're going to look at is you know in the 90s it was just very much a transitional period for horror some people says it's not good but there's definitely some gems (laughs) in there but you definitely see more cgi becoming prevalent prevalent in the films oh yeah and obviously in event horizon and mimic so the first thing we're going to look at here is who had the better use of CGI in terms of blending it in with the practical and highlighting and enhancing the special effects that were going on there. So we are gonna throw it out to our guests first here. So um, Scott or Adrian, who do you think had the better use of CGI between Event Horizon and Mimic?
7: Oh man, I think think the CGI in Event Horizon is a little bit Better
6: because it's safer one used shot,
7: sparingly. Mm.
4: Um,
7: yeah. And, and yeah. It, it, it's it's a really good mix of practical and CGI in the movie. Um, the, the mimic CGI doesn't hold up well, but it doesn't break the movie. Mm-hmm. But I think I'd have to go with with Event Horizon on this one.
4: Okay, Scott yeah,
6: I, Siska, I, I agree. Event Horizon. Event Horizon has only one shot where the CGI completely shows its age, and it's when they've got um, the zero G shot going through. The event horizon and you've got like the watch and things floating. Yeah, in, the textures and, on that. That's are.
1: right. It, yeah. No, At the it,
0: very it beginning. Look good. Now yeah. the the it, yeah, and does
6: Well I was gonna say it feels like you're watching Lost in Space, the
0: movie. <laughs> I saw that in the theater. So I've got oh, a special pain, part. Yeah. Pain. Me too, actually. I, <laughs> Lacey Chabert. Crazy. Lacey
6: Chabert.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Fucking Lacey Chabert. She was just like two years younger than me at the time, or maybe a little bit at the same age. And I was like, God damn, she's pretty. You know? And plus, like, Gary Oldman as, as, as Dr. Smith.
0: Can't go Gary go Oldman that.
1: can't go. I, I, yeah.
0: So throw it over to Genius here. What, in your opinion? Um, okay. So
1: <clears throat> both of these have lackluster CGI at a lot of points in time, Um, but a lot of them have really good aspects of it, but what I was looking for when I was looking at this during the CGI is how it blends in with the atmosphere and the tone of it. so mimic some of the monsters when they fly around and do that it looks really cool but sometimes it looks really cheesy especially like the subway and climax thing right i thought it was a neat kill but up until that it was like "Mm, i can see the lines Mm -hmm. right um but he does well with atmosphere and he blended it well in the context that he could event horizon after you get past that jarring because it is a jarring floating scene once you get past that it blends really well, and the aspect that I like about, and I'm going to go with the overall aesthetics, mm-hmm. Anderson built a spaceship. Yeah, He yeah. designed it. It moved. It breathed. It lived. On it was, screen a, char- it and was a
6: character. Right.
1: Um, the whole Event Horizon heart itself was moving. The whole aspect. He made it look so terrifying um i was already afraid of sewers and roaches and all that shit although funny thing there's a part where it gets really intense in the movie and i think they're in the subway and like it was right before all the bugs came. Mm-hmm. and it's been hot recently so i had my window open and sure enough right when it was about to about to get really like creepy and scary about the bugs a fucking fly flew right on my glasses and <laughs> scared the shit out of me like psh-mack! Oh, God, the bugs are here. And so, like, <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely set up the atmosphere very good. But I've never been afraid of space, but I was at Event Horizon. I was like, I would not step foot in that fucking spaceship, including all the f- weird floating things. And so I have to give my hats off. He blended, except for the floating things, he blended everything so well. Better than Mimic. So I gotta go with Horizon on this one.
0: That makes sense. And I'll tell you, just in terms of how uh, Del Toro <coughs> has utilized uh, CGI, even in Blade 2 when around the time that was uh, made there's that one scene when they put on the uh, the big lights and there's like cgi battling if you remember that one where mm-hmm. a blade is taking on like a nadia nadia or whatever the first time and it's just does not look and it just has not aged well but i think though it just rubbery very rubbery i mean it just and yeah. you know obviously it's a comic book movie but i think the use of just just in terms of the darkness in mimic i think that actually masked it a little bit better yeah and he was able to incorporate that a little bit more so for me i'm actually going to go with mimic on that but obviously event horizon kind of took that first one now and so that being said uh um,
6: well, I, I have a question for you talking about yeah. cgi because it's you're, you're talking about the the blending aspect to it and mm-hmm. there's a moment at the end of mimic that i actually love but it it hurts to see it because you've got all the CGI before it. When you're in the subway and you've got everything flying around, it looks now, you know, 20 years later, it, it doesn't keep up very well. You can see all the strings and everything. Mm -hmm. And you have the appearance of the, the, the lone uh, fertile male show up and it's in CGI until it gets to the kid. And the moment it walks up to the kid, it becomes a practical effect Mm -hmm. and it's a, fucking great practical effect Mm -hmm. with the way its claws and it it, and its face (laughs) but it makes me mad that they didn't have like a giant practical animatronic thing that walked out and then up to the kid and they had the cgi before it like by having that great practical animatronic headset that they made Mm -hmm. look as well as it is in the darkness it it made me matter. That It looked shitty two
4: seconds earlier.
1: Well, even that even that thing that they dig out from the this water treatment plant that uh, yeah. That yeah. Dead, the dead one, but it was all that was disgusting and then gross and it looked fantastic And when they're having to rub all that goo from the dead one all over their body Then they have to like really dissect it you're you're a hundred percent spot-on their practical effects um overshadow significantly the digital effects.
0: And because it was that transition period, I'm definitely in, you know, Del Toro is one of those. He's a champion of practical effects. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure he wasn't necessarily happy with having to do that. But again, I just think the darkness kind of masks it. But obviously, we're kind of going with Event Horizon on that one there. Um, So that being said, the other thing I want to ask you guys, and this is the kind of the big one here, is we're obviously celebrating 20 years with these films now, and we're still talking about them. They still have legs. But what which one between Event Horizon and Mimic are we still going to be talking about 20 years from now? Event Horizon. That was a (laughs) no-brainer for you there, Adrian. You sure you don't want to think about that one a little?
6: No, I I don't need to because it's still going to stay the same. For, For Del Toro, you've got all his other movies. And Mimic, like I said, it is the experiment. So it basically becomes the footnote. You talk about all the other Del Toro films and then you you mentioned mimic for a minute or so event horizon is that one that stands out for paul ws anderson it's the movie that everybody refers to yeah, as the true. good paul De- <laughs> <W. true>. anderson <laughs> film.
0: i know i do unfortunately yeah. well my yeah, God, so i don't right, yeah.
6: another 10 years from now that's still what we're going to refer to it as and that's going to be the the movie that everybody holds up and says why didn't he make more films like this whereas del toro they'll say this is the one where he tried things and it didn't really succeed. But look at all the great other shit that he made.
0: That makes you make a very compelling argument. Yeah, what say I, you, Scott?
7: I, I think I have to agree um, with Adrian just because, I, you know, I think I think Mimic is a better film than Event Horizon. Um, Del Toro is obviously a, a much better director. Um, but Event Horizon j- just is this, this movie that people love talking about it, and it, I think it's a lot more fun to watch. Um, it's one of those things where if I catch it on like a movie channel late at night, I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been playing Mimic on movie channels the last couple months, <laughs> and I have definitely not watched them when I've seen it on. So um, I, I, th- I think Mimic's a better film, but Event Horizon's a, a movie that people are going to remember 20 years from now.
0: You guys make very compelling arguments. Genius, what say you? I'm gonna echo, but also flip it on them.
1: Um, I think for I think twenty years from now, we're gonna look back and we're gonna say mimic is the start of Del Toro being Del Toro. We're still gonna talk about mimic, even as a footnote. We're still gonna be talking about it. We might not talk about Event Horizon, but that being said, Event Horizon is such a standalone. Wonderful in my mind, wonderful movie. It's scary, it's thought provoking, and it's terrifying. It should be, uh, and well acted, really well acted. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, just knocking it out
0: of the park. And let's not forget Jack Nosworthy making it one of the most '90s films ever. Fucking Kathleen Qu- and Kathleen Quinlan. You oh, can't yes. get more oh, '90s yes. than oh,
1: Kathleen yeah. Quinlan.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but, um, but. So we're. All, I think we're going to be talking about both these films but also like you said we're going to be saying this is the start of Del Toro and this is Paul W.S. Anderson's magnum opus um, so we're still going to be talking about these movies good, bad, or indifferent it, it's still going to happen um, Sophie's Choice here genius, Sophie's so Choice here's the thing I personally think Event Horizon is a significantly better movie um, not the fact that Mimic is a movie because i love mimic i don't like the sequels and that tarnishes it i think event horizon is a is a better movie that being said i know exactly where i was when i saw mimic for the first time I, I told this one story. I was with my brother, and if you know my brother, he's very opposite genius. He's like bizarro genius. He's a uh, very stoic, very quiet. Never, even as a younger male man, never said anything. But I was showing him all these horror movies because, uh, and we went to go see it, and he looked at me and goes, "They never kill kids in movies." And I'm like, "I know this is cool," and it sparked a big discussion. Um. So I'm really torn with this because I'm still personally going to be talking about Mimic, but I'm still going to be talking about Love for Event Horizon. I think that Event Horizon has is like I said, significantly better. But I'm going to have to go with my heart and go with Mimic. Cause- I gotta
6: ask. I, I I apologize for keep on jumping in, but when we can easily go go to blows or or, <laughs> or or have a longer conversation about this next week when I when I see you in person. But there's at, one, at film club, even or before that movie next night, Monday. our movie night,
0: yeah, plug yeah. Shameless plug. Um,
6: yeah, they, it, It's great. If anyone's <laughs> in the Kansas City area, third, third Monday, yep, so,
0: Screenland yeah. Tapcade. All right, continue. Sorry, dude. <laughs> okay.
6: Anyways, you keep on mentioning mimic being where Del Toro becomes Del Toro, and the only reason I have an issue with that is it feels like you're you're saying that Kronos was a slight. <sighs>
1: You know what? I I'm not saying that Kronos was a bad movie cuz I saw I sought it out. I was like, I'm going to say but it just didn't have a lot of those Del Toro watermarks, those stamps that Mimic does. The the I mean, of course it was a dark fable like all of his movies, yeah. but just the it, it it didn't strike me as creepy enough to be a Del Toro. I think of Del Toro as beautifully creepy.
6: I, I, true, I, and I agree with that. And for the most part, the things that I love about Del Toro is when he focuses on um, the, the the humanity. Yeah. I, I guess for 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 some of his films, when you look at Pan's Labyrinth, oh, when Jesus you look at, uh, yeah. the Devil's Backbone, um, and then and Kronos, and in how they view humanity and the evil that men and and or just people in general are capable of and abusing power and things like that i really feel is at the heart of del toro and this mimic doesn't really have that it has people reacting to the bugs and it's not until the director's cut when you have the the flimsy um pregnancy subplot put in there that you have a kind of human element
1: i'm gonna disagree i don't know
6: yeah i I don't agree with that yeah i think i think it's a very human movie Mm -hmm. i mean it's
7: about bugs that are making themselves look like (laughs) (laughs) humans i'm gonna
1: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna give you three words of why i think you um not not not, i'm not saying you're wrong i mean but i I, i think the three words that make this to me a human story is f murray Abraham. Mm. He he is the one that's from the get-go, you played God, you shouldn't, but I understand why. And he's torn too of what this story is. This is Mira Sorvino's story. Pregnancy aside, this is Mir Sorvino coming with the terms of what she has wrought upon the world. And the, her own guilt and her own Catholic guilt, because there's even a line in the in the beginning of Fimix. So this is just Catholic guilt talking, yeah. and so that and then brings all the, the
6: tub.
1: Re, yep, And then all the religious aspect. Not this is her coming to grips yeah. with the cre- the monster that she created, and I think that is almost the heart of Del Toro.
0: I can see that. I totally see that. It's yeah. And, it's, and when it comes down, so you're definitely going with Mimic.
1: I'm going with Mimic because of the the, the okay. emotional attachment I have it. But like I said, Event Horizon's a better yeah. better movie.
0: And so ultimately, when, I, when I'm looking at this um, in terms of what are we going to be talking about 20 years from now, again, we're definitely going to talk about both. But as you said, with Del Toro, he's gone on to better work. With Anderson, a lot of us, and myself included, think this is his high point. So for me, in terms of the one that we will be talking about in terms of not just saying it's a footnote, it's the main one, is Event horizon mm-hmm. so i'm going to say event horizon on that now that being said in terms of kind of totaling our uh, our tabs here event horizon has most of the votes so what is it like seven to two or
1: something <laughs> pretty much so
0: <laughs> you know and we like to go with this but you know are we comfortable putting mimic into the phantom zone and letting event horizon go into the frightful four
6: genius i th- this is totally <laughs> your, your your spot to, to, to argue no no I, I i mean that with all complete 100% respect because yes. you're the person who's been been championing mm-hmm. mimic so if it has to go away the person who's got to have the last say and kind of last grasp to try to get us to change our mind is is you
4: mhm
1: um i actually am 100% fine with event horizon going across um i, I like i said The Event Horizon is a superior movie, and if we're going to say what movie out of all the movies that we've talked about in 1997, which one is the best, I have to go with Event Horizon. So yeah. I am 100% comfortable with making Event Horizon the champion in 97. We
4: are
0: banishing Mimic to the Phantom Zone. Guilty. After,
6: after I had that, that giant sweet speech and everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what happened. I already had my mind
1: made up <laughs> when he was like, which one has to go? And I'm like, I know I'm going to have to choose one. So I, will, I was already comfortable with letting Event Horizon go. Although I wouldn't mind if, no. if Mimic went on. Um, I definitely think Mimic people should see people should definitely oh, yeah, see both these movies yeah. um but like i said
0: event horizon is the better movie man so joining nightmare on elm street part three dream warriors in the frightful four we have event horizon representing 1997 you don't need eyes to see 1997 <laughs> no you do not so you guys oh, that's such a good line it's fantastic <laughs> oh, it's sam neill man come on now uh, so guys Thank you, Adrian and Scott, taking the time out, debating with us, banishing Mimic. Uh, Del Toro would call you a cocksucker, as always. Um, again, please tell our listeners, where can they find the podcast?
6: Um, you can find it. We put up links on Twitter, um, On again, at phantom underscore zoned. Um, I, I'm going to be hurt because, you know, you guys didn't have Anaconda in <laughs> 1997.
0: That's more action. <laughs> the anaconda don't want none okay i'm just gonna say that right there <laughs> that,
6: that's that's fine that's fine i'm just a little hurt that it wasn't even thought of
0: anaconda no it, it, trust me it
1: was i okay we, we you should have seen the lists of things and the we're like, honorable oh. mentions and everything and we we just kind of yeah we we had a long like the debate on like which one should go and which one should be put in so yeah, Anaconda was was, was was almost there, but I think Wishmaster beat it out. Yeah, absolutely. unfortunately. Was, was
6: Leprechaun 4 97, 96? It was one of those.
1: Leprechaun 4 could be whatever, but it was awful. Yeah, that,
0: <laughs> that one really wasn't in discussion there, unfortunately.
6: Well, but do you know who directed that? That's the entire reason why I bring that up.
0: Who directed it?
6: BTS.
0: Oh, good lord really that's right i knew he i knew he directed one of those i couldn't remember if it was that one or the second one that's right he did with angela bassett yeah and he also directed night of the demons 2 Hmm. the sequel which is actually not too terribly bad Hmm. so check out brian trenchard smith and speaking of checking out make sure you check out the uh their podcast Mm -hmm. and i have to say that the one we talked about the ghoulies
1: (laughs) that was a lot of fun
0: you can use that as a jumping it's on point, gang. But yeah, make sure to follow them on Twitter. Follow, listen to the podcast. And again, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, thanks to the A to Z podcast, found exclusively through the Phantom Podcast Network. That's a, that's a really fun show. It's it's a lot of fun and uh, actually uh, engaging in the beers for fears. I had my own root beer beer. It was great. It was fantastic. Uh, but look into next week, gang. We're going to get down and dirty again. Uh, we're not going to two thousand seven. <laughs> we're going all the way back to seventy seven. Where I can get filth, filthy already. Right. It's, yeah, it's, we're gonna have a layer of grime on us. So until next time, guys, I'm Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams.